Hi, this is Matt Wagner, creator of Grendel and Mage. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> heard sleigh bells in the background. Santa's right up on the top there by Fort Hill. This, this is where he preps before he uh, he heads out. Nice. This is New York. East Coast time is real time, so everybody else gets it after. Dap, do you guys, I know not seeing, obviously you and Ray get each other stuff, do you guys exchange gifts with anyone else? This year, she usually, her office was usually... Gets a ton of stuff for her. Yeah, I mean, we really don't don't do a lot of gift shopping for the people like her. Her, um, her she'll for Paris eat anything, but we also tend to kind of live by the um, the ideal of you know you don't need an occasion to give someone something. So she and her coworkers, it's only the four or five of them in the office. They'll do a, a, a secret Santa swap kind of thing. I have a couple of friends that I'll exchange gifts with, but for the most part, you know, and even even this year, like there isn't anything. I was asking for, I got her a, a a TV for her office this year, but yeah, we we just, I mean, it's 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 real low key for us. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, standard gift for my wife. What the three what? inches? No, a pair of flip flops and a dildo. She don't she don't like the flip flops. She go fuck herself. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> hey everybody, what is this? It's eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred fourteen. Building up. And I'm Vince B. Ah, you are. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. I can verify that because I'm Tim21. Wow. You're not, though. I know it for a fact that you're not Tim21 because all this time, the voice sounds like Jason Wood, so I think the body will follow. Am I correct? What's up? What's up? Yeah, the big body. And if you would like to dip into a big body of savings, what? Go to Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com has your books. All the books that you want for the price that you want to pay. From Image. I hope you're writing this down because you're not going to be hearing it too much more. What is it, the 23rd? Yeah. Write this down on your little notebook. Tape it to your monitor or use a sticky pad or whatever you do. From Image. It's Stray Dogs number one. Tony Fleece. Trish Forstner. It's the ground floor on something that's going to blow up. You're going to hear it from whatever state you're in. That's how big the explosion's going to be. Uh, Lady and the Tramp meets Silence of the Lambs. If that's not good enough for you, then why the hell are you listening to this? $3.99 cover price. Your price, $1.99. Boys pants. That's half off. From DC, what is this? It's a little thing called Dark Knight's Death Metal. The deluxe edition hardcover. All seven issues under one beautiful package, uh, $29.99. That's what it says on the back. <laughs> you're, you're laughing. You're crying because you're laughing so hard. You know you're not going to pay that. And you pity the poor schlubs that do. You are going to get it for $14.99. I knew that. Yeah. It's like a big pair of scissors comes in right to the middle of the cost and just cuts it in half. Animate it and shit. Pixar. Um, last, but certainly not least, it's from Dark Horse. This thing is called Fear Case. It's a detective series by Matt Kent. You know Matt Kent. We don't have to tell you who he is. And Tyler Jenkins. He's another big name who has collaborated with Matt on Grass Kings. It's a miniseries, four issues. This is the first. 
And uh, while it says three ninety nine on the cover, no, you are going to get it for half of that, a dollar ninety nine. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions. You can send them an email whenever you want. Say, yo, I was sleeping at the wheel and I didn't order this. Can you add this to my order? And they'd be like, of course you can add this to your order. Can we help you in any other way? And you say, no, I'm good. But then a day later, you're like, oh, shit, I forgot this. And you send them another email. And they're like, ha, ha, pay no mind. We'll do it. And that's the way it is at DCBService.com. You want it, you get it. Just go there. Just make it happen, people. Yes, it's almost as get like cash and and right gift cards for Christmas because nobody wanted to go shopping. Got to spend that guilt. Take some of that scrilly. Go to DCB Ace or IST and get y'all spend on treat yourself. Yeah, the only way you're going to get this stuff cheaper is if you steal it, and we don't cotton to no thieves. We don't advocate that. No, yeah, no, that's that's no bueno. It's silly. You, you know what it is bueno, though? What? Whatever it is you're drinking. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to be honest, and I'm still drinking the Prophecy. And it's okay. almost, I have maybe two more glasses, and it's done. Okay. So you're not going to get turned tonight? Uh, no, probably not. But it's good, because, because I have some, some very uh, complicated... Things you do. You were, you were vexed this week. I was a little bit vexed, but we'll yeah, get into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, I am. Well. I am drinking from Adroit Theory, who is a brewer that uh, I've become quite a fan of. Uh, Vince, you would love the the artwork on these Adroit Theory um, cans, but I'm drinking the Death of Civilization. How about that? Well, I do like the name very much. Yes, it is a hazy imperial IPA. Huh. That's some good shit. And then when I'm done that, I have a Miker, as in M-I-K-E-R, Microphone Check 1-2. <laughs> double dry hopped, double IPA. That's the name of it? Yep, Microphone Check 1-2. Oh, I like that. I like it a lot. From Mike From Microphone Brewing in uh, Illinois. Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Huh. And Adroit is in, let's see, uh, Vint Hill, Virginia. Hmm. I dig it. You know, Vince, what I wanted to ask you, because you are lactose intolerant and yet you love mm. IPAs, I've noticed now that I've been drinking the IPAs, a lot of these these real, real, real hoppy IPAs have lactose in them. Yes, uh, they do. And um, I do pay the price. But okay, it's yeah. a sacrifice I'm more than willing to make. Like, mm-hmm. can I live? How do you not enjoy life without the IPA. It's hard to do, right? So sacrifices must be made. But yeah, yeah, I I get all. So it's like drinking a loaf of bread, but in my case, it's like drinking a loaf of bread and a, you know, a a nice big glass of of milk. So it's hitting me from from both sides. Yeah. Doubling you up. Yeah. Listen, I, I, you know, I'm allergic to cinnamon, but I eat the hell out of a gingerbread cookie today because gingerbread is what's up. Okay. I'll pay the price. I took some aspirin. I preemptively took Advil. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have this gingerbread. Because my wife did one of those little cookie exchanges, you know, one of those gimmicks. Uh-huh. Where they, uh, they bake the cookies and then they uh, – normally they would all get together and kvetch for a while and drink wine and then exchange cookies. But this year, which I was very pleased by, very COVID-friendly situation, each, each, each baker dropped off five dozen cookies to the front, front porch of the coordinator. Then she and her daughters 
gathered like 30 different sets of cookies inside the house, divvied them up, repackaged them, and then put them back out on their porch like three hours later with, with the name tags so people come pick them up. That's I thought cool. that was pretty cool. Like very yeah. friendly, like socially distant, but keeping the tradition alive. But anyway, point being, came home. She came home with a, a gigantic tin full of all cookies from all different peoples. And no one in my family likes the gingerbread, and I fucking love the gingerbread. Wow. But as yeah. I was about to eat one, my wife's like, you know, there's cinnamon in gingerbread, right? I'm like, oh, I know. So I'm going to take these Advil. I'm going to take these Advil. I'm going to wait 15 minutes. Then I'm going to eat the fuck out of these gingerbread men and love every second of it. Jeez. Why, well, you feel very strongly about your gingerbread. Dude, I, I only ever get to have it at Christmas because Beth doesn't bake it. And it does have cinnamon, but every Christmas, someone, if not more than one person, makes a gingerbread type cookie in this exchange. Okay. Yeah, then I'm going to, I will, I will have to make sure I pack some Advil, um, because I want, I need somebody, not me, to tell me how my um, my cinnamon swirl loaf bread is because it's the fucking bomb with as french toast yeah, well, now, now, you're, now you're asking me to go straight cinnamon like 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 gingerbread has a little bit of cinnamon in it. i know you're right you're right yes i am i am but for you uh, i'll do it though okay all right i'll try it i gotta make her a cheesecake next um i am it, it's it's the same vineyard uh from chile that i've been enjoying and, and apparently they have a whole slew of um of these one and two type um blends all with different names this is telmo and ruth it is a cabernet sauvignon and merlot blend um and it's got a great story on the back it's um it's it's telmo and ruth reserve a gallant man telmo had his pride melted away as Ruth, a pure beauty, looked him in the eyes. A flash of heat struck him, accelerating his heart while a thousand butterflies danced in her womb, provoking a sensation of excitement and desire. This is love, she whispered in his ear, a confession that tied their souls together for all eternity. The end. It's got a cute little drawing on the front. But yeah, I, I picked up a couple of bottles, all different um, of, of, of three of their different... Um, Fitty Fitty Blends, uh, all with different names, and I'll save others for uh, future episodes. Love it. It's hella tasty. I haven't had nice. one in a bit. Cool. So what we got? Well, I'm sure we have. some comics. It's Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, let's do it. Bring it out. Now, I guess as a lot of people are, as people are listening to this, it's Christmas Eve. So let's say, let's let's start off strong. Let's Let's wish everybody... At least all those who celebrate a Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate, I hope you enjoy a few, a few days of downtime from work. But Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays. You know I love this time of year. Yes. And uh, and uh, much love to everybody. Co-signed. Yeah, I could be a Scrooge. Um, and I don't really see the... Yeah, I'm, I'm not down with the reason for the season. But if it brings you joy, go do it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an atheist. Been an atheist my whole life, but I love the Christmas. Yeah, I'm not celebrating JC's birth. I'm just celebrating right. That's it. Pomp and circumstance. I'm celebrating the Hallmark movies and the 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 friggin' hotties they got on there. 
Well, there's your reason. There's a lot of hotties on there. Some are hotter than others, though. Oh, of course. Well, it, I mean, it is. like, for real, though? Genetic, like... yes, yes, I understand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, and you can always tell the vintage of a Hallmark movie. It's like, yo, this thing was not made within the last, like, four years. No. Right. Yeah. All right, comics, what do we have? So many things. Well, come on. Do you, do you need to All be right, prodded? What's that? Do you need to be prodded? Talk about it. Do I need to be prodded? Yeah, that's me. Um... You know what? I want to talk about this up front because, first of all, to give me a chance to remind everybody that we have the 11 o'clockers coming up. It's going to catch up to y'all. You got Christmas. You got New Year's. Next thing you know, it's 2021, and you're left thinking, oh, my God, I haven't even begun to answer my ballot, and you need to do that. So go to 11oclockcomics.com. Top left corner, you'll see a tab for the O'Closkers. You can go there, or you can go to 11oclockcomics.com slash 11 o'clockers whichever you prefer fill out your ballot fill out your ballots people the more people that fill out the ballots the bigger the giveaway it's going to be awesome but anyway um i've also on the slack for our our slack patrons they've been a little extra bonus as the best of lists come out i've been keeping an eye out for them and if it's a list i think it's decent well you know well well written comprehensive it's not just some schlocky clickbait thing I will take that list and add it to a little spreadsheet I've been keeping. And every couple of days I've been posting people just updates. And this is mainly not, I mean, there's a million categories in the O'Closkers, but this is just a list of the books that are getting uh, voted as best of 2020. And the last time I updated the site, there were nine lists that I had included. And f- um, there were almost a hundred different books nominated between those nine lists which is nice and not unusual, pretty good breath. But um, but there was only one book so far that was nominated on a plurality of the of the lists, and that was Adrian Tomine's The Loneliness of the Long Distance Cartoonist, which was nominated on five of the nine lists. So I um I mean you all know I'm a, I'm a Tomine fan, so I I've read everything he's done. Uh, so I I was planning on reading this anyway. Um, but I figured, let me make sure I get in under the wire here, uh, in case I, I would, I wouldn't want to miss out if it's, if it's that good, good, want to at least get it, get it into the, to the, to the running for the episode for the O'Closkers. Um, so first things first, this book almost deserves an award simply for the way it was produced. It, it is a moleskin. Like it's an actual moleskin. Oh, wow. And I'm a huge fan of the moleskin. I, I professionally use them for my notepads. I, I take all my notes handwritten in moleskins. I have stacks of them from over the years. So massive fan of that. Uh, open it up. It is a graphic lined moleskin. And the entire, the entire graphic novel is drawn on graph paper in this moleskin. So love, love, love the format. Like I very much appreciate the format because it's essentially laid out as a visual diary of Adrian's life as a cartoonist starting, let's see, I believe the first, it goes by each chapter is by different years and it's, he skips years. It's not every year, but um, yeah. So, so the first chapter is Fresno, 1982, a little Adrian shows up at his new school in Fresno and introduces himself and starts going off on this huge tangent of how he wants to be a cartoonist. And the teacher's like, Oh, you mean like Walt Disney? And he's like, no, like John Romita. 
And then she's like, who's that? And he just goes, starts going off about how he's the best artist ever, although he didn't create Spider-Man, and that was Stan Lee, and ours name Steve Ditko, and blah, blah, blah. And he just goes on and on and on, and then the kids all laugh at him, and then they beat him up, and they spend the next year beating him up, and he hates everybody. Uh, um, which is sort of, I think, on brand for Adrian Tomine. Um That's more of like a prequel. And then you jump to 1995, and then we pretty much like like go, we don't go every year, but we go from 95 up until... Um, last year uh, 2019 i think is the last one so um and it's just a chronicle of his career and it's extremely self-effacing um you know at one point he's walking into san diego comic-con for the first time and he's very excited because he's a guest and he feels like i've made it finally and as he's as he's walking in goes up to the counter to register and they say have you seen this review and he's like from who he's like from 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 the comics journal and and Adrian's like, oh my god, that's awesome! And they're like, mm, you might want to hold off. And he's like, no, I don't care. He's like, even even them just talking about my book is great. Like, I'll I'll, I'll take some constructive criticism. And then he reads it. And it's an absolute evisceration of his work, calling him derivative, and that others have done it better. And he has nothing new to bring to the table. And he goes back to his room and is just you know crying himself to sleep. And uh, and there are just lots of little anecdotes like that. Like he gets invited to a dinner at New York by Gary Panther and. He's with these other great cartoonists and in walks another person and the person's like, oh, my God, you know, I love your work, Gary Panther. I love your work, so-and-so. I love your work, so-and-so. And then he looks at his – it looks at Adrian he's like, what, what was your name again? You know, that kind of thing. So um, <sighs> I, it, I, I thought it was charming and I thought it was clever, which is not surprising because I'm a fan of his work. But I am a little curious as to why it's getting – what seems to be near universal applause as one of the best things put out this year. Not because I don't think it was good. It was very good. I'm glad I read it. I'm, I'm happy to have it. Uh, but I, um, but like at the end of the day, you know, I guess what I like about Adrian is, is his rather um, biting take on life. Right. Like like, you know, like the stuff we saw on Optic Nerve and and Summer Blonde and Shortcomings like that, that stuff, Killing and Dying, that, that stuff had bite to it. And and this doesn't really have bite to it. It's it's more like an autobio, very well done, very almost quaint in a lot of ways of his life. Um, and and it, it kind of speaks to the fact that he's like in a. Even though he's self-loathing, he's in a good place in his life now. He's married with a kid and obviously very successful. And um, So I did like it, but I wouldn't even consider it as one of my top three or four works that he's ever done. So ergo, I struggle with this being like the best book of the year. I, I, I do struggle with that. And, and honestly, after I finished it, I was reminded of scenes from an impending marriage which I talked about on our show maybe a year or two ago, but it came out in 2011, and that was another autobio book he did where he was he would, he was doing these little one page vignette comics as he was going through the process of getting engaged and then married, and I liked that a lot more because it was such a departure from everything he does, but it was like unapologetically funny and and positive, which is anathema to his normal work whereas this is more of like self-loathing but it's still not exactly it's not happy and it's not very affirming and so i would give this like um 
I'd probably give it like a seven, seven and a half out of ten. And I would definitely say that anyone that's a Tomine fan or a fan of Autobio comics or even someone that is a, 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 a an independent comics creator certainly I think would identify with a lot of what he talks about in here or or or, or parodies. But but I, I wouldn't. It didn't knock me on my ass. And I'm 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 fine with that. Like I'm not. I don't at all feel like I I feel chipped for having read it. But but I am a little surprised by the accolades it's receiving. And I can only conclude that it's getting the accolades it's getting because a lot of the people voting on these things are creators or or um, loyalists to independent comics. And so it's like you're basically applauding your own life choices, right? Like, oh, yeah, this is our life. You finally see what our life is like. And, and that's fine. Like, oh, more props to you. But I, uh, you know, like I said, very good. But I, I, do, I do have to stop short of calling it great. Um, there, if, if someone said to me, hey, Wood, you always talk about Adrian Tomine. I want to try it. Like, I would, I would send them in, in several different directions before I got around to telling them to read this. Yeah, I'm already rubbed the wrong way on this. Okay, why? Yeah, because if you're sitting at a table uh, with Gary Panner, or you're, you're overshadowed for Neil Gaiman, if if you're in the business of comics to get accolades and to be recognized, you're in the wrong freaking business, true. right? Because there's there's very few that could command the attention like a Gaiman, or uh, and, and again, if you're at a table with Gary Panner, prepare to be overshadowed. Did you read this? I've I've read pages of it. Yeah, I was going to say because there's a big section where he actually meets his, uh, becomes his wife, and they're walking to a signing, and there's a massive line around the corner, and he's like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" Because he's used to not having any line, and then it, that was because Neil Gaiman was there, and he was at right. the signing yeah. next door, and it was nobody there. Yeah. Well, I don't think the, the the format is all that novel either, because I mean, I talked about the the Ben Mara contribution to the yeah, the, you know, yeah. so the 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 moleskin. Skyn or whatever you want to say, uh, format, uh, you know, taking the the journal out of its uh, um, traditional use and and elevate not elevating it that's not the right word and and repurposing it to be a, a container for a narrative that's cool but it's not the first you know or the second no time and, and again I don't it's ever been done like I I do like the book and I, I like I do I think it's charming and it's silly like like there are th- there's one part where he. He like Vince is lactose intolerant, and he eats a lot of cheese while doing an interview. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on it, and he and but they hinted it off in the interview, uh, like the woman they have chemistry. So he, he invites her back to his place before they care to go out for a drink, <laughs> and he just gets the the massive lactose shits. And he's in his bathroom for a half hour, and oh, it's boy. a small little New York apartment, so he can't hide the smell. <laughs> and he comes out, and she's like mortified, and she makes up an excuse to leave. And I, you know, so like again, it's so very self-effacing. Yeah, is it the honesty that, that within the work that's drawing the the accolades and the attention? I mean, I yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like I, something I, that I would like to read, but it just the the whole. Um, Woe is me! I'm not getting noticed. That just kind, you know. Why are you making well, I think art? A lot of it is more on the like how they that that, he, and it's really just about him. So I don't know that he's trying to say all artists are like this, but but he's saying that he's always been conflicted, right? Like in one chapter, he's sitting at a signing at San Diego, and his thought bubble is, I I, I can't wait to be back at my hotel and just relax by myself. And then he's in the hotel and he's thinking. 
I wish I had friends here so I could hang out with them. You know, like like yeah. I think it's more about him saying like he's got angst and he's had a, he's had a hard time in his life accepting his place and his relevance and even when he got to a place where he very much was because like in the beginning you know he's no one knows who he is and he's kind of always and then the next thing he knows as he's getting older he's suddenly at places and people are saying hey adrian and like you know locally and then people are asking for his autograph so it like it, it slowly becomes a thing where he next thing you know if you stick around and you put out work and, and it's reasonably good work at some point you right. become this thing that he wanted to be when he was in his 20s but now he doesn't even really notice it and it's not even something that he really cares about anymore but when he cared about it he didn't have it and now he has and it's kind of an annoyance because he's with his wife and kids and oh, he's like i don't really from care. that perspective i can yeah. completely understand what i'm down with yeah yeah but yeah like i said that th- there's a lot of it i enjoyed i just thought that like a lot of his work obviously is not well the majority is not autobiographical and it's 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 left of center right it's 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 not always i mean this isn't like david lapham like there's nothing good about the world but his stories always have a little bit of a bite to them or they're a little obtuse and i like that that's what draws me to him and now i have two examples of him doing autobio and for me maybe because i have a happy marriage and i I think like I, I the scenes from impending marriage I thought was was more cl- was was is it clever or more clever whatever the right choice of term there because it was surprising at the time in 2011 for him to write that because he had this this vibe as this really well acclaimed indie dark and satirical you know writer and so for him to just do a love letter to his wife and the silliness of falling in love that was that was clever in the moment and unexpected this feels a little more self-serving but i also think honestly i'm i love reading prose i do not like biographies i generally don't read biographies i particularly don't like autobiographies so i think inherently if you're writing an autobiography you're you're self-serving right i mean you're telling your own you feel that your story is important enough to tell yeah. <laughs> like your that your life is worth making a story out of so i don't know how you can get past that really i mean i, I like it's almost a conceit of doing it in the first place but um but yeah i you know it, it, it's uh like i said it was it was good it just wasn't it just to, to me it didn't it didn't it didn't blow me up blow my blow my back uh you know blow my shoes off my feet and, and make me want to fall back and be like holy shit so yeah. Well, um, my interest has, has now been buoyed by the fact that uh, the way you explained it as wanting accolades in your youth and realizing in your um, advanced age that all that shit really doesn't matter, yeah. that that could save this for me. But Oh, no, I mean, definitely. Because yeah. like in the beginning when he's single, all he wants is for people to know who he is, appreciate him, be val- validated. And then he's validated and he's married, he's got a kid, and the kid's throwing a tantrum. And they're just in the store, and all they want to do is try and calm the kid down because they're embarrassed. And you know, dudes coming up to them, being like, "Can I have your autograph?" And yeah. he's like, "Oh my man, you know, I'm I'm in the middle of something right now." And he's yeah. like, "Oh, I know, but I love optic nerve, blah blah." And he's like, "Yeah, cool, but I'm just trying to calm my daughter down here. She's making a, you know." So it's like, and I'm like, "Oh, that's real, you know, that's definitely real." Like, yeah, be careful what you wish for, man. That shit sucks. Like, yeah. you're just you're trying to like, <laughs> yeah. So no, okay. No, Had- he's, I don't think like I think he's a, I think he comes across in both of these books as a, like a, a very real dude, um, and actually someone I think I would love to to hang out with. Like I think he seems like a real based kind of dude, um, you know. So I, I like I said, I just it just didn't quite hit the high high note for me. 
Nice. Interested. But tell yeah. me, why don't you tell me something that did hit the high night note for one of you? Um, you talked about a book by an author recently, Jason. Oh, that, yeah. Um, yes, I did. That, uh, and it didn't, it didn't click right away. I, I knew I heard the name before, and it didn't, it, and I'm like, it was, I, I just, I know, I know that name. And that night, when you were done talking about, the Highwayman. I opened up my DCBS box because it, it came earlier in the day, and right in the middle of the the foam and plastic wrap, there was a book called Bionic by Corin Shadme, who wrote and drew The Highwayman. And um, nice. And Bionic, the uh, the solicit in, in IDW because this is this is a top shelf production. Uh, the the whole concept the, the the solicit kind of just hooked me and and i really dug i really dug the um the little bit of art i was able to this wasn't one that really i don't think had too many pages for previews in in the catalog i, I had to go online um and the cover was striking to me so um it's i i sat down and i really just didn't get up until i was done it, it's only 180 odd pages um and it's uh, it's not super dense when it comes to text, but basically, basically, Bionic is a story about Victor. Victor's a geeky kid. Uh, it's in the the somewhat of the the nearish future. Um, Victor likes noodling with fixing old game consoles, old old NES, old Sega Genesis consoles, um, and and he's got a knack for it. And and as a kid that he knows an older guy uh, who, who finds old consoles and then Victor fixes them. And then my man turns around and sells them for big bucks because collectors want them. Um, and, and Victor gets a little piece of that action, but um, you know, he's a high school kid and, and he's just trying to, you know, make it through, but he is, he, he is a geeky kid. He's, he's, uh, he's on the skinny side. He's uh he rides his bicycle to school. He's not a jock. He's not a very, um, not a very athletically build. There's not a very athletic build. He's just he, he's a, a typical geeky guy you would know uh, in school. But he seems to have a crush on this girl, Patricia, who's who goes to school with him. Uh, and apparently, Patricia seemed to have blossomed over the summer uh, because Victor is um, Victor is on his way to school where a couple of kids on motorbikes knock him down and um and his his front tire is all busted now he's walking his bike to school his dirt on his shirt um and he's going into the bathroom to, to clean himself up and the two dudes who drove by him that knocked him down they were near and near talking about patricia and talking about how oh yeah you know she's she's looking good now she's filling out those shirts this that and the other um and Victor ends up having to sit next to her in one of his classes. And she kind of looks right by him, doesn't pay him any mind, just, you know, happens to be sitting next to her in class and, and it is what it is. Um, Victor and his, uh, and his friend, they, um, his friend's name is Gus. They go, they go to the mall. Um, and, while there, uh, 
he finds out that Patricia works at uh, like one of those um, pet supply plus kind of joints that uh, almost like a puppy mill. Basically, they've got pets at the store, um, and there's a cat there that has a bionic leg and um, and an implant for an eye. So so apparently the cat cat had gotten injured at one point, and in in this nearest future, um, there's a whole movement about fixing people, uh, broken appendages, things like that with, um, with bionics, with bionic implants, with, with, with cybernetic enhancements. So, um, Patricia recognizes after, after, you know, Victor starts talking to her at the pet store and, and, uh, reminds her that, you know, they're in class together. Um, they, uh, she, she's a lot more friendly to him because he, volunteers to bring the cat home even though he's allergic um because the cat can't stay at the store and um and she can't bring him back home so the next day um victor sees patricia and some of her friends and he stops her and he's like um he's like you know can uh can we talk for a second i was um I was wondering if we could hang out after school, but her friends are rushing her and she wants to like, and they're already crossing the street. And she's like, listen, I, I, I gotta go. Um, you know, yeah, we can hang out, but you know, it, it's not a date. Like I want to be clear. Um, and, and she, um, she starts, uh, crossing the street and a car comes barreling down and runs into her. So now she's, um, now it's her turn to have, the bionic implants and that's where it kind of um goes dark it's it's very much like a um it's 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 kind of like a story you'd see in black mirror and um that that, that, that could be good or bad but you know patricia is not a nice person she treats victor like crap and my man keeps coming back for more and um you know, it's it's a crush. It's his first crush, and and you know, I've been there. I know what he's going through. I know what it feels like. It doesn't matter what she says, what she does. Um, there's just no, you, you can't let go. Even Gus is riding on about it. It's like dude, he, and even even Victor knows. He's like, listen, I know she's she's treated me like crap, but as soon as there's a hint that she needs any help at all. He's the knight in shining armor and he's going to come to her rescue. Even if she never asked for it, even if she's not in trouble, he's just, he perceives it. And that's, that, that's where it's, it's un- at times a little uncomfortable to read because you just, you just want to grab him by the shoulders and just shake him and say, you know, you, you're smarter than this. You're a smart kid, period, but you know better. But these are the things you have to go through in your own life that you can then turn around and say, you know, well, learn from my experience, but nobody ever does. So, He's got to go through this. This is this is his, um, these are his growing pains, and and uh, and the 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 story of Patricia and her father, who owns the company that's doing the bionic implants, um, the, uh, the there's shit going on at home that uh, that Victor finds out um, that you know his parents are keeping from each other, or his dad specifically. Um, because one day at the mall he goes to visit Patricia and he sees dad in the food court and dad's like, "Yeah, no, you know, I um 
it's it's I'm I'm meeting a client and and uh it turns out that dad worked for the company that Patricia's dad started um and they had to make cutbacks and dad lost his job but keeps going to work every day so he's lying to mom and there's there's that drama there um it's not really a mystery but when you find out um why who was behind patricia getting hit by a car isn't um it it it's it's kind of like well that's fucked up but knowing this family maybe not so much it's just it's 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 a little i mean it's it, it it's a, it's a quickish read but it's one of those things where um i wanted to see I, I kept turning the page to find out if Victor's finally going to smarten up. I wanted to find out if Patricia was kind of going to get what was coming to her. Um, and, and there are parts of it where it, it is kind of a little bit like real life where, you know, people who should get what they deserve kind of don't just because that's, that's just the way shit happens. And, and not everything is a happy ending. Not everybody gets, um, you know, the, the high school sweetheart at the end. It, it it's not the breakfast club. So it's just, it's one of those things where, um, where it, it's, it, it takes some darker moments. Um, there are, there are a few moments where, where, where you can chuckle, but for the most part, it is a, um, it's, it's kind of the more, uh, darker, um, sides to things that could happen. Um, in the future, but you know, and, and it, it doesn't, it's not like the, the enhancements, the, the, the cybernetics didn't, um, change Patricia. She kind of always, from what I can tell, she always seemed like this type of person. So it's not like, you know, she used, it's, it's not like the, her becoming bionic didn't turn her into this cold, thoughtless and heartless bitch. She just, that that's, that's kind of who she is. It's just, um, and of course, when she shows up, looking like Vic Stone, you know, some of the dudes in class are like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, there's no way I'm typing that. I'm not a toaster oven. So it's just one of those things where, um, when people, how people treat you based on your outward appearances and, and, and Victor was kind of trying to see Patricia on the inside. And I think, um, the, the inside was as, uh, as, as cold as, as the exterior, but it was, it, it's, it's something I definitely, um, I finished it and I, I, I want to read. I realized I had the, uh, the, the Rod Sterling book he did, um, the twilight man that, um, I got that in one of the humble bundles. So I, I've been wanting to read that forever. Uh, so I'm definitely going to be reading that soon. I still have to get the highway man. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, of corn now, but this was, um, this wasn't what I was really expecting. Uh, but by the time I finished it, I was like, I, it, 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 I, it wasn't one of those things where, Oh, this changed me, but it really was something where I, I finished it. And I, I kind of just had to think on things for a minute because it wasn't so, wasn't really so straightforward, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't like all the players ended better than they started. It was, it, it, um, the, the the way it ended it was one of those things was just like that that kind of that kind of sticks with you like you weren't maybe 
it makes sense, but you were kind of maybe hoping for a different outcome because you just want something better for some of these people. But this was, um, this was, it was a wild ride. I really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Looking at the art, the art looks nice. Yeah, me too. It sounds really good. Yeah, I don't think the story would compel me to read it, but I like the art. I think, yeah, I think and the art looks cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's. Um, I like the coloring on it too. It's weird because it's not. It's not. It's not a bright uh, computer colored type book. It's it's kind of muted in spots, but um, but no, the art definitely is a. Um, I, the the art probably. Um, kept me going kept me more made me want to keep reading kept me turning the pages then um because because the story is kind of just you can go a couple different ways with it but but the art definitely um definitely helped it along really liked it sweet the the top shelf tap into some some pretty diverse um veins and uh we we should thank our lucky stars that uh uh they're still around Doing what Indeed. they do. Yeah. I have a trifecta. Yeah. Of, are you going to break it up or are you going to? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll break it up. Um, but the Well, it, it goes in stages. Um, two of which uh, were written by the same man. It's a Vampirella trifecta. Um, I read Vampirella 1 to 15. And the, the Christopher Priest written. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, the reason why I, I went back and revisited um, this series was because initially I didn't like it. I read maybe two, three issues and I didn't know where he was going with it. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to let these these bad boys stack up. And then I'll I'll approach it from a, a volume uh, perspective just to see if, if I can... Uh, maybe glean something over the course of you know many issues. So yeah, that's what I did. Written by Christopher Priest, um, illustrated by Ergun Gundas and Giovanni Timpano, with color art by Flazio Dispenza, and uh, Ergun does a lot of his own coloring too. And it is of course published by Dynamite. Um, and I'm going to open with this statement and humor me because I do have. Uh, there is a, an end point to this. Um, Christopher Priest is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is a bona fide 100% asshole. But because he's extremely good at what he does. As a writer, I think he is a very capable, very canny um uh, wordsmith. He comes up with great ideas. He manipulates them in new and novel ways. And, and that's some of the, the, well, it's most of the attraction here. I give Priest a big pass because if, if, um, your art is of a certain richness, then I will look the other way in a lot of your little character traits. Like Lenin was an asshole, right? Sure. But you're not going to uh, indulge yourself in some of the best music and lyrics ever written? Come on, right? So uh, the the 14 issues in this run is called Seduction of the Innocent. And, of course, it, it's a callback to the, the Wortham uh, days and, you know, the, the whole uh, corruption of the innocent, right? Um, the, 15, the 14 issues, 15 starts a new storyline, so I won't even talk about that. The 14 issues within that span 
priest is is rambling, incoherent, but on the flip side, it's extremely ambitious, and yet it's frustrating, and then it's extremely rewarding, and there are bits that are frivolous. There 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 are passages that are extremely heady. Um, he reaches beyond the constraints of the source material. Like he didn't take this job thinking, okay, I'm working on Vampirella. I'm going to kick out this bullshit, you know, bad girl storyline. I'm going to milk all the TNA for all I can get. And there is that element within the story. Like there's a lot of sex in these issues. There's a lot of uh, uh, lesbian sex. There's a lot of uh, heterosexual encounters. There's sex in it. It's part of the narrative, right? But he doesn't do it... um, well, let's be honest. He doesn't do it in the dynamite fashion. He's doing it because it's important or it, it, it's relevant to the story. He's not just throwing in nudity and 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 sexual encounters just because he feels like it'll get eyes on the book. There may be a component of that, but I don't think it's the main reason, right? Um, so he's he's working on Vampirella. It's she's a, a, a an alien who is a, uh, uh, of the vampire. She's a vampire, but she's not, um, susceptible to the same traditional, uh, Achilles heels of, of the vampire. She's, she can go out in the day. She's not afraid of garlic. The cross does nothing to her. Like she just needs to drink blood and she can grow bat wings and she's an alien. Right. But she, she, she chose, Forrest J. Ackerman and Trina Robbins and Tom Sutton uh, decided to make this character dress in very provocative ways because they knew who their target audience was and they knew what sells books, right? Um, and she's basically running around in a, in, a, in a one piece that reveals almost all of her anatomy, right? So it's puerile. It's pandering to the, the, the lowest common denominator, man. But this book doesn't do that. And that's why it's so damn frustrating to me. And, and, and one of the reasons why I, I say he's an asshole is he's the smartest dude in the room, and I think he realizes it. Right? And so he can do things. Like, um, it, it all starts out, there's a, 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 um, a, a passenger plane goes down, right? Uh, during uh, an altercation between Vampirella, who is going by the name Ellen Normandy. She's... she's uh, incognito right that's her alter ego she's not vampirella all the time she's she's taken a position as a substitute teacher Uh, she's trying to integrate into society right this is her adopted planet she might as well make herself home um i'll be be one of you and i'll protect you and, and but i need my 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 away time right so she she takes on this ella normandy guys um and uh, there's, she's fighting this Baron Gustav von Christ. He's 122 years old. Apparently, he was a German general during World War I. Uh, he bet the devil that he could beat him at a card game. Uh, and the prize was immortality. And he won. But the devil being the devil says, ha ha, fuck you. I never said the condition of your body during this immortality. Uh-huh. So, so he's decaying. Um, he's in perpetual state of decomposition. Got bandages on. He's got. He looks like Dark Man a bit. Uh, the, the Sam Raimi oh, Dark Man. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're fighting on the plane. The plane goes down. 
a lot of people die. A lot of people on aboard the plane die. A lot of civilians on the ground die. Um, and and so because of the trauma surrounding that incident, uh, Vampirella is in counseling. She has a, a trauma specialist named Dr. Chori. Uh, and and I get the impression that while the character is modeled in the the uh, the physical attributes of Samuel Jackson, as it seems every black character is in in, in comics, um, but but he's got like a uh, Elsa Lanchester, Bride of Frankenstein, frizzy ass hairdo with white stripes on the side, and he's 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 unshaven and he's real animated. I, I'm getting the f- the the feeling that Doctor Chori is a mouthpiece for Mister Priest. Right, so Ella tells Doctor Chori everything. She's not human. She's from a planet named Draculon. She's a vampire. She drinks blood. Blah 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 blah. She she's here on our planet and therefore feels like she must defend it from evil. And he doesn't believe any of it. He does not believe a damn word of it. Vampire. And he talks. There's a there's a a component of ebonics to his speech that it's like. Really? Christopher, really? You are a black man and you're perpetuating this this these vocal tick bullshit things. You know, I just I I don't understand it. I I don't I I, I don't want to really. I don't um it's there's a um there's a school of thought there's a theory that that ebonics is not um is not necessarily something that is meant to show a sign of um, illiteracy or, or or a lack of intelligence. Because just like just like if you were down in Creole country, you might hear some inflections that you know might make your inner ear cringe. But that's just that's so every every community kind of has their own language. So I, I know where Ebonics came from and i know how people like to think of it but i don't i, I think we're kind of past that in this day and age but i i, I get what you're saying but i don't but, think but I, for I, a learned sure if... a learned man that's in the position of of a of a, a a counselor a therapist to say ain't and and vampirella's mother dresses when she vampirella's mother's lilith okay and okay. and when 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 dr chori meets her she's all dressed to the nines and he calls her prada bitch a therapist okay calls right. her yeah. mother Prada bitch. Yeah, you kind of have to know your audience. Yeah, yeah. it's it's just like he'll he he. It's so lowbrow. I, I, like I'm saying, it's it's extremely frustrating because I don't know how far. It like you just wants to think the therapist is an asshole. Is what it sounds like. Which may well the therapist is an asshole. Which right. I'm thinking that, in my opinion, that may be the mouthpiece for Mister Priest because after reading this and and you know. I get the impression that Christopher may be one himself, but um, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm not. I'm an asshole, right? Some of those know how to check his email. This is true. This is true, right? Um, but but like I'm, I'm saying, the 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 narrative is very complex. Um, it suffers no fools. You do not pay attention. You will be inundated with uh, questions. Um, there's a character named Eustankios. Ella calls him Stan. That's my cousin. He's a he's a Malageni. 
it's this being that can inhabit the bodies of vermin, like spiders and rats, uh, stuff like that, which is cool because if you are a traditionalist, uh, the vampire mythos, vermin are pretty much um, uh, tied to the, 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 the whole concept of, of vampires, right? Um, but, but Stan is a voyeur sent by Vampirella's mother Lilith to watch over her, right? Then there's this subplot where Vampirella is a scout for the Six Marys, which is a Vatican-sponsored covert strike team. Nuns with automatic guns, okay? Um, and they're sworn to eradicate evil. And they're kind of unclear whether Vampirella is a creature of the devil or if she's just a scientific anomaly. So they, they look the other way. But Mother Mary, the leader of the Six Marys, is, has been intimate with Vampirella. She has a huge crush on her. And that doesn't go over well with the rest of the Marys who are, mm -hmm. you know, Christian as fuck or, or Catholic as fuck, right? So they're not, they're, they're like, you've sinned. But that, I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Vampirella and Lilith are exiled from Draculon. Um, she doesn't like, uh, Vampirella does not like to be called Vampire or Vampy. Does not like it at all. She wants to be called mm. Ella. And so she shares herself. She hooks up with this young black girl named Victory. Well, her name's Victoria, but they call her Victory. She's from Los Angeles. And Vampirella is bisexual. So she gets in where she feels like she fits in at the moment. So she'll be with a woman um, one moment and she'll be a man with a man another. But she doesn't invest um, emotionally. She's not as invested as most of the people she spends time with because she's immortal, right? And and she's a yeah that makes sense you know yeah, she's yeah. a vampire so so yeah. looking at her uh, just the physical alone right people get they get in over their heads and 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 victory does right then there's this man named Benny who's a witch in training and and it just it all stems from this plane crash which was orchestrated by Lilith to get to position Vampirella in into a certain area. Right then, the blood red queen of hearts is in this thing, the Hora Babylon. Her 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 soul is imprisoned in a in a queen of hearts playing card, which forces her to hop from body to body. There's a a fire imp named Nyx, which is from the Chaos comic stuff. Uh, Damn, Frank, are you listening? No, no, he knows about it. Um, the she once killed Vampirella and Adam Van Helsing. Vampirella's. I don't know if you can call him her true love, but she was enamored with the guy. Um, mm -hmm. Vampirella's half-brother, Drago, who goes by the name of Drake, but he's not a rapper, um, <laughs> he, he loves Vampirella, but he, to the point where he disguised himself as her longtime lover, uh, Adam Van Helsing, and you know got busy with his own half-sister. That's how much he loves her. Uh, I, I like I said, the the storyline's real, real deep. Um, you got the Blood Queen having sex with von Christ on a table, and like this dude's all drippy and bandaged. And you got the Blood Queen who's in the body of a a very thick two C's, um, young young black lady, and they're going at it on top of a a table, and he's like falling apart. You know, it's um. Uh, but but so so Lilith or, or, or um, 
Victory is pissed at Vampirella because she allowed Benny to die and uh, uh, Victory was uh, fell in love with Benny. And so she turns on Vampirella and Lilith gives Victory uh, Belial's ring uh, and she becomes Draculina. <laughs> this thing pulls from the, the Vampirella mythology like crazy. So if you were a brand new reader, you'd be like, what the hell am I reading? I don't understand any of this. And 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 Priest does not suffer fools. It's not, there's no explanation. There's little explanation going on here. Like there's a 300-year-old altercation between Belial and Lilith that results in the birth of Vampirella. Lilith had a daughter named Draculina. And because... Uh, Belial abused Lilith, Lilith and then she became a sorceress so she tricked him and he thought she was powerless but she wasn't and the, the their combined blood fell on a statue which became Vampirella but in the in the whole skirmish Draculina is pulled into the time stream because of the book of prophecies right it's a roadmap of the multiverse like you see like this doesn't make sense to the casual reader you're not going to get all this so in order for Lilith to find her missing daughter, she's using Vampirella as a bargaining chip, and 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 Draculina was thrown through the time stream, and she emerges in this narrative as a young girl named Katie. You see, there's this young, blonde-haired, freckled girl in the beginning of the storyline that witnesses the plane going down, and has a Vampirella infatuation, and she's really the daughter of Lilith and has no idea. What? <laughs> But but the thing that I, I'm getting at with pre Priest being an asshole is that, like I said, he, he knows that his storyline is compelling. I can't put a, a label on this, like a value judgment. I can't say this is good. I can't say this is bad because I'm still trying to make sense of the whole thing. Like, um, I think that's the best kind of art when, when you, you, you don't walk away from it having enjoyed it or being having been repulsed from it it's still there within you, you, your consciousness you're still trying to piece together the events and and the way priests move things around but he'll stop the narrative dead in its tracks to make an aside that has nothing yep. that has nothing to do with what's yep. going on uh, like Vampirella's talking about her mother. God, I hate that bitch. She did that. Uh, she, she's evil. And and Dr. Chori says, Prince was an idiot. And I'm like, wait wait a minute, what? He's he's like, yeah, you know, Prince, the genius. Uh, you know, I, I was down with Prince early in his career. But, you know, I, I thought that his lyrics, they were worth something, that they, they deserved closer study. And then he's all with the with the the doves and the purple shit and he's like no yeah. he, he goes prince sucks he, he didn't know he was winging it and i'm thinking what does this have to do with the story number one number two you're flat out wrong um yeah. and and is is this priest well obviously it's priest speaking through the character of dr chori but is he just does this does priest believe this is this character the asshole or is priest the asshole yeah and and are the two separable? Can you separate the asshole from the character asshole? Right? I, it, it, it's, it's, I, I'm, 
I, I keep going back to it because it's so fascinating to me. I, there's a code here, and I need to crack it. And and mm-hmm. and I haven't been able to do it. I think it's probably next to um. Uh, Jesus, why am I blanking? The 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 uh, the dynamite thing we read that was uh, amazing. Um, come Peter on, the Thunderbolt. Yes, next to oh. next to Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. This is the most. Well, I I can't even put a label on it. Like there was a certain, it, it is vexing, but it's like, wow, I need to read this again. I need to go back and, mm-hmm. and, and revisit this because there's something here. There's, 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 there's a nugget of truth in this story that goes beyond bad girls and, and titties and, and tight asses and demons and, and blood sucking. Like there's something here and, and it pisses me off that, the language priest uses or the or the the narrative style he uses to present these worthwhile concepts and 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 uh constructs is so acerbic and so abrasive and it's just uh, i wanna i wanna hug him for not you know giving me a pop tart but I, yeah. I, you know, I, but I, I want to, I want to punch him too because yeah. he's he's borderline asshole in this. So I'm being entirely complimentary when I say it's fascinating. This, this right. storyline is 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 I think it's remarkable. And aside from Archie Goodwin, some of the best Vampirella I've ever read. That's fantastic. No, yeah, it's great, but it it it, it <laughs> you don't expect to be spoon fed at all. And and another thing that's very frustrating the art fly ass Jay Lee covers too. Oh, he's the best man. But I'm going to get to that. But the the art is is it's very frustrating as well because Gunda's is a, a super realist, very thin line. Um, mm-hmm. uh, do I love his work? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a there's a quality to it. But Giovanni Timpano is amazing, and he's he's the 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 seasoning on the main dish. Like you you won't get a whole issue by Timpano. He does maybe ten pages here, five pages there, and it's just like, why can't I have an entire book of this? He's just superb. But together, I think they the the, the styles work really well because they're diametrically opposed. Timpano knows the value of thick and thin, where Gunda's is just all about that that uniform width line. Um, mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's just not the things, not the style to which I gravitate. Which sure. Timpano is, but long story short, sorry for being long-winded. Um, there's a rich vein of something going on here, and God bless Priest for doing it. But damn it, I want to kick him in the ass. Uh, yeah, no, this is a. Ve- I think it's a very rewarding experience, but expect to be frustrated or prepare to be frustrated. So, so I that mean, it sounds completely impenetrable to me because I just don't know the them. Vampirella backstory, right? It's not, and but that's the thing. It's some of the best Vampirella ever. But to hand it to someone and say, "Here, make sense of this," you'd be like, "What?" It, it, it's it's not only the Warren stuff and the dynamite stuff, and maybe even a little bit of the Harris stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But it's also the Chaos Comics, like Chastity. Well, I won't get Nix is in this series, and the series I'm going to talk about in, but I won't be this long. Next is Chastity's in it. What? Who gives a shit about chastity? Uh, 
but priest makes her work like okay take it away because i i just um i did i enjoy myself no i mm. lost i lost i was pulled out of time though i i, I don't re- the 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 minutes and the hours that went by as i was reading this i had no conception of them that's the mark of a good writer right so again i can't put a value judgment on this good bad uh, they don't apply here it was art <laughs> I, I think the best kind of art because it challenged me as yeah. not only a, a comic book reader but as a longtime fan of the source material like wow you took my breath away but in 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 another instance you took it away because i was screaming at you <laughs> yeah so go i got more coming it it it, 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 it. The uh, I feel I mean it's it's, it's too bad. I know you already picked out the uh, the episode art. You could I mean you could have had the perfect one with um with the picture from your priest from New York Comic Con that year. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> if I could only have yeah, seen, still, still waiting for him to hit you back on that. Yeah, that's that's a <laughs> long. Have... That's a time delayed fuse. That's a really. I mean, time I, and, and now there's I mean at at this point I mean we can. We can discuss his his Deathstroke run. We can talk about his return to Quantum Woody. We can talk about Vampirella now. Um, yeah, and uh, and and the uh, you know so so it's but yeah no I mean he is it's he's good it's, when you when you when you ask that on the Slack and and everybody who came in to respond, I think I mean yeah so obviously you're you have a connection to this character so regardless of of who's going to work on it, where, what direction it's going in, you're going to buy the issues. They're going to sit unread until you're finally ready to sit down and read them. And and good or bad, you know, you're supporting the character. You're you're a fan of the character that that's who you're with. And I do think we all we all do that. I have I have issues of Miles Morales and Miss Marvel that that I haven't that I've just been letting pile up. And and hopefully. Oh, yeah. I'm going to enjoy them when I get to them and I'm not going to read them and be like, well, this, I mean, I wasted money and they've just been sitting here or, you know, I mean, Jason's done it in the past with Avengers and, and X-Men books. Uh, it, it's, it, there is, there, there's always going to be. I'm I, doing I, it with Miles Morales and, and Ms. Marvel right now. <laughs> okay. See, so they, but I mean, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, I stopped doing it with Spider-Man. Um, I, I, years ago, I, I stopped doing it with Fantastic Four. I mean, there, there's a point where, you know, eventually, but, but again, it's not like, I haven't been reading. Been, I mean, I've read those early issues, but it's not like I've been collecting Spider-Man and right. Fantastic yeah. Four issues since the first issue. You've pretty yeah. much been with Vampirella almost pretty much from the beginning, Vince, if not the beginning. So, well, the first I, issue came out when I was just a little, a little, little. Yeah, uh, dude, don't don't undercut yourself. You're old and busted. You you you've been here since the beginning. I, yeah. I was the only time I can say I was with Vampirella at the beginning was when when. During the Harris days, when when uh, Adam Hughes did the covers, and and you got the coupons in the issue, so you could get the the zero issue. But um, dude, I was I four when the first issue came out. Exactly, you've been there from the start. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but but yeah, no, it's it's yes. Yeah, so so for it, yeah, it, it's. But in that case, it's not like I'm going to sit there and and buy every. Um, Jeff Lemire book on the stand because whoa it, it, son no no I'm saying it at, when it comes to the when 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 whether you follow characters or creators yeah we follow creators wherever they're going 
But with some characters, it really, in, in Vince's case with Vampirella, it doesn't matter who's working on it. I'm sticking with the character. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Wow, for the most part. Yeah, but the real attraction here was Christopher Priest. When I mean, I, yes, mm-hmm. I, I will 80% of the time buy a Vampirella series. I'm not buying Vengeance. I, I just don't see the value in it. But um, I buy everything else. And um, how many priest-written books have you read? How many stories? I, did, well, did you I read, read Justice League Task Force back in the day. Yeah, and I read. I mean, come on, the the Panther stuff. I read the read Task Black Force. Panther, yes. I read um, the maybe the well, yeah, uh, not all of it. Right. I, I read a good amount of Deathstroke, and and this has the little chapter. Yep. Yeah. Titling thing. Panel. Like he loves yeah. that, and I think you he know, I, I think that's a boon to the illustrator because mm-hmm. graphically it breaks stuff up really nicely, but it, sure. it's one less panel that the illustrator has to sure. invest in. So it's smart, and it's and it's he he gets he gets cutesy and and conceptually um, uh, gymnastic. I guess with the titling, like he makes up stuff that's yep. that nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and it's fun, and it's just type on a black uh, field. So it doesn't take a lot of effort to do it, but it en- enriches the the overall uh, experience for me. So yeah, throw those 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 panels in every two pages. I'm down with that. Um, I like the approach. That's why I I think he's look. There, there are there are very few comic book creators that are beyond reproach right kirby mm-hmm. alan moore in my book priest, priest is very close to being beyond repro- reproach because mm-hmm. he uh, he's a, a, a oh a, no he's not beyond reproach almost i said almost yeah. he's he's a he's a very uh facile manipulator of of words i like where he comes from i like his ideas i think he's he knows how to string along uh, a reader great i'm with you I, I I think he has that extra added component with being so good at what he does that he feels like he could do whatever he wants within the narrow narrative and get away with it, and it worked on me. Like you don't call Prince an idiot, I'll bust your ass. <laughs> but you know that's a personal thing. But it just yeah. it, it 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 was on the one hand it was very smart because it, it it instantly colored this Doctor Chori as an idiot to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's what you, so you, mission accomplished. But no, I I don't want to manipulate all the time here um, because I got more. But so, I want to hear other well, stuff. Well, I was I was I was inspired by the discussion that you started about this book in the Slacks, and so I went to the Facebook group, which is uh, facebook.com groups eleven o'clock comics, and the Slack, and I posited a little poll, and I said, you know, with comics we all read a lot, right? But our enjoyment of those books undoubtedly varies. I know we all try to curate our reading lists so we're enjoying most of what we read. But not all enjoyment is created equally. So I asked everybody, I wanted to bucket their reading experiences with comics into three buckets. First bucket, percentage of books that you read and love, as in you're so happy to read them that you can't imagine having missed them. Second bucket, what percentage of books do you read that are okay, you're fine with having read them, but you also wouldn't have been upset if you never picked up the issues. And then the last bucket, what percentage of books do you read and are disappointed so much so that you opt to stop reading subsequent issues or volumes or feel like you shouldn't have spent your time and money – should have spent your time and money elsewhere in the first place. Now, I I know Dap saw some of the stuff here. I don't know, Vince, if you saw any of it. Do, do you, would you care to guess what the like general 
breakdown of those three buckets was for our our uh, our the, the 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 listeners who responded. Sixty thirty ten. Okay, so you're saying you think sixty percent on average sixty percent people said they they love sixty percent of their books. Yeah, thirty percent they are okay with ten percent they don't disliked. Yeah. Now, Dap, have you seen the results, or did you not look? I've no, I've 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 skimmed it a little bit here and there. Yeah. Okay. The results were 15, 60, uh, 15, 65, 20. Whoa, that's horrible. Why are you you people buying this shit? I was, um, I was 15, 60, 25. Wow. I don't get it. You know what mine would be? I would say 80, 80, no, yeah, 80, 12, 8. Mm, because I, I don't, I don't know how that's possible. What do you mean? I I won't buy singles unless I well, I love I'm them. About singles. Well, wait, wait. Buy uh, any comic? No, I I won't buy singles unless I love the characters and and the creative teams. I rarely buy collected editions from um, creative teams I'm not familiar with. On the off chance I do, where it's like a an OGN that I you know these guys are these people are new that goes into the twelve percent because I may or may not. I may or may not like it, but theme-wise, I'm not going to buy a romance OGN, right? I'm going to buy a fantasy or a sci-fi or a horror. So the the percentage of me enjoying it, based on the art I, I researched, is I give that 12%, right? And then 8%, because you can't be right every day, you're going to get crap that sometimes just doesn't press the buttons, so I, I think that's that's extremely well, kudos to you. You've got a more optimized process than I think the vast majority of comic fans, right. myself included. Well, I won't buy a book uh, if the premise is sound or the the elevator pitch sounds like something I, I might want to read. I, I still won't buy the book unless I research the art. If the art's not in the pocket, I'm not buying it. It's just yeah. not happening. Well, I guess I mean a lot of this I think comes down to we the momentum of being a comic fan. You, you end up reading. Lots and lots of books, particularly by the big two. I mean, I mean you, meaning the general mm-hmm. person uh, that that our characters are nostalgic for, or teams or titles, and they are often mediocre. And again, remember the middle category wasn't like I'm bummed. The middle category is I liked it. I'm glad I read it, but like I wasn't. I wouldn't have been crushed if I didn't read it. Uh, I think that's I. I'm. I do think like I wasn't surprised. I think that's the. That is the typical comic book experience, I think, especially with with superhero comics. We read them as long like we get worked up when they suck because that really bothers us. Yeah, but for the most part, they they're not great. They're just another story, and we're fine with that because we like the characters. We have nostalgia for the characters, and we're like, yeah, okay, fine. And then we hope, though, we keep coming back because we hope that we get a House of X, Powers of Ten, that we get a, you know. For Dap, like a Superman Bendis, that we get a, you know, uh, pick your pick your poison. You get a Tom King back, whatever it may be. Um, but but that you and every now and then you're like blown away, and it, and it reinvigorates you. Like, damn, this is why I love this character. This is why I read this comic. Right. Um, yeah, but we don't have an infinite amount of time and money, right? So if if it if it doesn't set your world on fire, why is it on your pull list? Like why you why and I know the reason why because we are we are uh, yeah, the in, nostalgia right and the inertia of of having a run but yeah. I'm I'm I've dispensed with that approach a long yeah you time have ago. you have 
Well, what I was saying is, is that I think that uh, I think that my goal. It's interesting because my goal is to get to twenty five percent of love. Oh, and nice. when I say love, I mean love. Like I mean, like holy shit! I got to make sure everybody reads this. I got to sing its praises on the show. This was amazing, and um, I think just a lot for me. There's a lot, and obviously for our listeners, there's a lot of inventory. Like a lot of stuff that's like it's fine and like it's good enough that we can come back. And I don't even think that's that out of line with like other forms of entertainment. I mean, before COVID, I went to a lot of in theater movies. Very few would be like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to get the Blu-ray and watch that again." It was incredible, right? But I also rarely was like, "Oh, what a piece of shit! What a waste of money and time!" I wish we hadn't gotten to see that. It was mostly like, "Yeah, that was good. Like I liked it. You know, it wasn't perfect." I don't know if I ever want to watch it again. And I think it's the same with TV. Like, we watch a lot of TV that's like, okay. Right? Like, we're not like, oh, that's the best TV show I've ever seen. But you're like, oh, I know you don't watch a lot of TV. But no. but the average person, you know, uh, Dap and I. And most I watch a lot of YouTube. Right. So so <laughs> I, I guess I was, like, I just think for, and also maybe, maybe the way we define great is different. Yes. I like, think. Yeah. I want, I want to be, like just completely overcome with what a piece of craft it was well consider yeah you just want the cream and that i think you're well no you're, i don't just want the cream but i'm saying in terms of if i'm going to give it I'm, that's why i said 15 percent. like i think one out of i mean 10 percent would mean one out of 10 books that you read you're like oh my god that was brilliant if that and yeah right and so i'm okay with that number like if if i if one of the five things I read each year I think is brilliant, I, I'm that's a good year reading comics. Right, I but think. the thing is, the, the the you very rarely get brilliance. I mean, it's it's almost it's like trying to find water in the desert, right? But that's my point. That's why when you said sixty percent, it doesn't. So then, with me. right? But so the, no, but it, I my idea of great is if I read an issue of Gold Digger and it just perpetuates the reason why I started reading that book in the first place. Right, right, that's right. great to me. So that goes in the eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think part of it is you're defining great in a, and in like a Eric more, Larson a more apologi- apologetics or a more right. broad sense. Eric Larson does the same thing every issue, give or take. Mm-hmm. If you're still doing that that great song and dance that that made me fall in love with you, that's down. That's great. Thank you. Now, Dap, I, I forget. Did you answer the question? I don't really. I, I did not. Uh, okay. Probably because it's it. Part of it is you know, if I say it out loud, then then it's it's out there and and, and <laughs> um. Okay. I'm, I'm admitting something that you know I might not want to admit to. I think I lean more towards Vince's line of thought. Um, okay. Because I I try to. I never I, – no, see, I can't say never because, again, going back to the slack, is is I, 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 I read something that was completely not worth – the paper it was printed on, the file space on the server that Comixology has, and, and it's just – it is it – was, it was a travesty in so many ways. And I, I disagree, I, but I, uh, let's keep I don't know, dude. I we can talk about it, but it's like it's one of those things where it's it's it's. I'm happy the people who worked on it got paid. Even Hassan said it was bad, and he loves it's, all I, the dude, he everything. So it's like I mean, so I'm glad. I'm like I'm not I'm not just talking out of my ass here. It, it was it was offensive on many levels, and the, I want um, an action figure that last page. 
That's all. I just want that's, an action well, figure. Cool. Yeah, all right, fine. Go ahead. But, I mean, all right, so we got that thing out of it. But it's like, okay, but I, you know, isn't that just, it, it's like, okay, cool looking Terax, bro. But you have, there, there's just, there's, when I when I finish reading something, I want to be able to at least, because I, I if, especially if I want to talk about it on the show, and, mm-hmm. and if, if I, I'm going to find something positive in it. It, it i don't want anything i read to be a waste of my time and whether that's that's like oh that's just not fair that's not the way things work you know you're going to read something that's going to be bad yeah but in the larger tapestry of things you know is this going to did this pick up on threads did this pick up threads that were put out years ago is this moving something forward mm-hmm. is this is this progressing character so i want to be able to say that you know as part of in a historical context, if you want to call it that, I want to be able to say, you know, this, I, I enjoyed this because of its connection to something else. I don't really want to read a book and then put it down and go, I, I, I hated this. I mean, there are, again. Well, I've, no one wants to do that. I no, mean. I know. I know. And, there, and, and you know, I, I, when I got to a point where with, with a book where, um, I mean, in the old days, it could have been a budget cut. But, you know, if if I am not feeling something. I have no problem walking away from it. And and so that's so I'm not going to so so that wouldn't I don't know where that would fall in the percentages because if I'm not reading it anymore, then obviously mm-hmm. I can't I can't consider that. And if 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 I thought you know, if 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 ten issues came out in the year and I read half of them, well then that's but it, so so when it comes to percentages and, and trying to actually um put things on, on paper as as to a formula as, as as to what I've read and where it all falls into, it's I, I I find it hard to to kind of quantify all that, but uh, oh, I'm, not, I'm not auditing you here. I'm, I'm no, not, I know, I know, I know. But it's, I mean, you've you, you've seen my list. You know what I've what, and, and when we have conversations, you know, I think over the years, maybe we have said once or twice, well, I'm never going to talk about that. But but for right. the most well, part, yes. oh, I mean, ahead. one thing I think our, our listeners would love to know and and are often curious about is what percentage of things do we bring to the show versus what we read? Because like. I think it's different for each of us. Like, I think that I think, you know, and I think also it comes down to like different times of our lives. Sometimes we get to read a lot and we have plenty to talk about other times and, and not, not it's obvious, obviously, thankfully not, we're not in the same cycles here, but like, but there are times when we, we only have time to read a few things and, and, and there are times when we have time to read lots of things. But like, I would say that I bring to the show, one fifth of what I read. Mm, yeah, I'm around. Uh, I would say about a quarter. Okay. Yeah, I read. I read far more than it, it. It doesn't make it to my slack list of what I've read, but there are a lot of things that I, I read. And well, if I yeah, if, if, and, and I know even like with the slack, like I put a lot of like. Okay, so it's this will be interesting backstory for people on when we've mentioned this before. We have a Slack channel just for us, and we we post in the episode thread things that we've read that we we're open to talking about or think would be worth talking about. And I've never even asked you guys this. I mean, but although I kind of can impute it by by the way you guys handle it, what I put is the things I've read that I would like that I would be willing to discuss. Like, yeah. doesn't mean I liked it, doesn't mean I disliked it, but it's something that I I feel like I at least have enough of a viewpoint to have an interesting conversation about it, but it is not the entirety of what I read in a week. It, yep. Like I often will read things that I'm like, eh, 
And and honestly, most of the stuff that's an S, big two stuff, I'm just like, oh, it's you know, fine, like latest issue of Avengers or like what it's like, but I don't really have much to say about it. Um whereas like Vince, you know, you only put like I feel three or four things in a week, which I take to mean you're just putting the stuff in that slack that you want to discuss specifically. Exactly. Like you're like, I want to discuss this this week. I have things to say and I read other stuff, but this is what I have something to say to. And then I feel like Dap, you're more of a mix. Like I don't like neither of you put anywhere near as long a list as I do, but Dap, I feel like you vacillate. Sometimes you put lots of things, sometimes not so much. It's more like catch as catch can with you. Like, I don't know. I, I can't figure you out as much about <laughs> what percentage of stuff you put in there is what you've actually read versus just what you want to talk about there. It's, it's, uh, for example, there is, um, I am a couple of issues away from finishing the Fraction Lieber Jimmy Olsen series. So I didn't put I, oh, I didn't put the issues you're in because I, think I that am when that may win a Oscars for you. I, for, I, you know, for Vince, yeah. So um so since I'm only like two issues away from finishing it, I don't have like, you know, issue six through ten on my list because I'm just gonna wait for it to finish and then I'll Got discuss it. it. Got it. But everything else, yeah, if I if I finish reading something it will usually be on my list. It's not necessarily on my list because I'm going to bring it up, but if it's there and one of you guys have read it or it, it can segue off of something you guys are discussing. That's fine. At least we know I've read it mm-hmm. and I'm open to discuss it, but it, it's pretty much. I finished some, I finished reading something during the week and I'm putting it on my list. Rarely do I, have something that I've read that I don't feel like discussing on the show. Cause if I read something, I want to talk about it. Okay. So we're all, we're very different. The three of us are very different in how we approach the, the list. Yeah. If I can't find things to say about, uh, or what I think are compelling things to say about something, I won't even put it on the list. And, and for me, time, it plays a role. Like there are things currently on my list. Cause you guys know, I carry mine forward sometimes, yep. Yep. but sometimes I'll then just delete it because whatever I wanted to talk about, I've either forgotten or I feel like it's just no longer, like I don't, I, I've gotten far enough away from the book that I'm, I'm no longer feeling inspired to have that discussion, you know? Um, Cause like sometimes, you know, you read something and you're like, Oh shit, I got to take on this. But then just because you read other stuff that maybe wows you more or is a different genre and I'll look back and I'll see it on my list. And I'll think, Oh man, I, and that's happened a few times. Like Vince will be like, Hey, tell me about this book on your list. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, I don't know. I don't have to say about that now because it was a month ago. I don't know. Right. So right. The, the inspiration and... to, to, to create some kind of dialogue on the thing has passed. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Because it hits you in the moment. And yeah, like, you know, that we, moment's we come. Interesting, yeah. We got an interesting bit of feedback from, uh, from, from the, the crew this week. Uh, I think Brian Newbury was the protagonist in this, but and he's not wrong. And he said, you know, one of the things, I mean, he loves the show. Obviously he's a huge, huge supporter of us, but he said, he does acknowledge that there are lots of times where we will either collectively most, most often collectively, but we'll talk about the first issue or two of something. And, and particularly if we're enthusiastic about it and then we'll just never mention it again, you know, like particularly like miniseries or right. short run books. We won't, we won't go back and say like, Oh, that was, and he mentioned Kill Lock, which he's right. Like, we all talked about Kill Lock number yep. one. Yep. And we all enjoyed it. Yep. I don't even know if 
you or Dap finished it. I don't, oh, if you yeah, don't know if I was waiting for the trade, I haven't yet. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying. But like yeah. Brian's point was like the listeners have no idea. Like we yep. raved about, and then we but we never went back into like oh y'all got to get the trade or oh it was okay, but it never it, you know. And he's right. And I said that's and I know you were all part of this conversation, but it was an interesting thought process because it's like that's true. And why do we do that? And I think part of it is just because we do, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, try and bring some excitement to the show. Like you, you, you bristled, at, Vince. You bristled at the. I don't give a. Sh-, you said I don't give a shit about the hotness, and I said I, I wasn't implying that we we give a shit about the hotness. But what I'm saying is like, but we're all comic fans. That's what we do the show. So like when Rorschach number one comes out, we're all excited to talk about that because we all expect it to be a good book. Right. And, and But it's also um, on the tip of everybody's tongue. So yeah, yeah. Right. Kinda, that's what you kind of have to talk like, about it. Everybody right. wants to hear about Rorschach. Sure. Right? Yeah. And I, I acquiesce. Everybody wants to hear about... Uh, like, and as much as I give you guys shit, everybody's going to know what we think about Future State. Right? Like Hell like, yeah. No, but, but, but then... The, but Brian's point is valid, which is that but they also want to know: Did we like the whole thing? Right? Like, did we? Right. Are we going to talk about Rorschach when it's over? Probably. Yeah. You know, but we didn't talk about Kill Lock. There's a million miniseries that we don't, or, or that we say, "Oh, I like that first issue," and then we just never get back to it. And I think he's absolutely right. And I, I'd like to think we could kind of consciously improve on that. But some of it is organic, right? Like, I think some of the times yes. we don't go back to it, it's because there isn't much to say. Like, we were curious about the book. It's fine, but it. Once it's done, it didn't it didn't knock our socks off, and there's other things that did in the moment. We're talking about them, so I'm not saying that like we have to, you know, completely like rewrite the way we go about these things. But I, I did think it was a fair and interesting observation. Yeah. No, and it was. I mean, it was, it, and it plays into the 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 natural conversation aspect conversational aspect of the show we don't we don't plan things out we never said okay we talked about the first issue i now i do know when zach mario on zach talked about the second issue of rorschach you were away jason and you said listen you guys talked about it. zach brought it up so i'm gonna wait yeah. i'm not i read it but i'll wait and and i have the third one on on tap so we could talk about that whenever anybody was ready to but it's yeah i mean so if if we had said okay let's make sure we're going to discuss you know i, I want to make time so that we do discuss, you know, all twelve issues of this book as they come out, and that, that's never been yeah. a, a plan. And yeah, I mean, we may get, um, we'll, we'll we'll get our box and and we'll go through. We'll, okay, you know, I definitely got to read this first. I mean, the same thing with like Invisible Kingdom. Vince and I were we're talking about those those that first arc, and it it, uh, it meant to go back to the second arc, and then COVID hit, and I don't even know if the series ended, but I, mm-hmm. I, I know that they are still on my processing list but it's it's just one of those things where i don't think we're just we don't have it planned that far ahead that doesn't mean that that brian's wrong exactly i think that's the one thing that we should make clear is that you know ultimately while we i guess are experts at doing this now we've been doing it for long enough but like i put that in quotation marks i mean we are still like we don't script it right like it's still organic like what we're grooving on what we're vibing on and yeah, like certainly there are plenty of times where we're like, hey, how about we talk about this tonight? Or how what? But like, we don't really police each other about what we read. There are lots of times when we want each other to read a specific comic or or story because we want to. We're so excited to talk about it. But like, you know, we all kind of do our own thing in terms of what we're vibing on, and and especially when it's not like something that's off the shelves that week. And you know, I mean, I think what shouldn't be lost on people is that there are lots of times when 
we don't talk about the end of the series, not because like we didn't care for it or we forgot, but just because it's in our stack, but we haven't gotten around to it. Like, like Kill Lock was a great example on Brian's part because I'll be honest with you, I have all the issues. I haven't finished it. Yeah. I, I like the first two issues we talked about on the show. Ergo, I bought the rest of the series, but I haven't finished the series. I, I, I and it's not because I disliked it. It's not because I don't plan on it, but it's just in a stack, and I haven't felt like the urge to finish it. And I will at some point absolutely finish it. Um, you know, and that happens a lot for me. Like the other thing I had thought I might talk about tonight is a perfect example of that, um, which which was Lemire's Descender and then Ascender. You know, I I. I mean, I, you all know that I, 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 uh, I'm a card-carrying member of, of Jeff's fan club, right? I mean, I, I rep for him hard. I don't. It's probably not a book he's ever done that I haven't mentioned on the show. Um, but for whatever reason, I hadn't ever finished Descender. I, I, and it wasn't that I disliked it or I was put off or I was trying to save it. I just didn't finish it. I, I didn't, you know, I, I, I just lost track of the book and other things, and it was stacking up. And I said, oh, I'll get around to it someday. And then... One of our listeners, um, I think it was Rick Savage. I'm not sure. Maybe I can't remember who it was, but said, "Oh, I'm I'm caught. Like I just finished the last issue of Ascender. I wish I had someone to talk about it." And I thought, you know what? You're right. I, I'm so behind. And I went and I I, I uh, it was my birthday. I sat on Saturday by the fire. I like Beth's like I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna cook you your, your you know lunch. I'm like sounds good. She's like, "What are you gonna do?" I'm like, "I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna read." And I read all 32 issues of Descender which of those 26 I had already read before because they were coming out, but I hadn't read the final arc. So I read, reread 26 issues, read the last six issues of Descender for the first time, and then I read all 14 issues of Ascender all in one sitting over a couple hours and was elated. But, like, there's an example, right? Like, artist, uh, I mean, writer I adore, uh, huge book, like one of Image's bigger books the last five years, uh, so plenty of, like, pub, plenty of, of, of run. Uh, if not, I don't see why it wouldn't have been a book that I wasn't talking about all the time. But I rarely talked about the book while it was coming out on the show. And it wasn't for any, like, grand design. It just kind of fell through the cracks. And now I'm caught up and waiting for Ascender number 15 to hit the stands, you know? Um, it's not, like, any grand plan sometimes. It's just the whims and and, and of, of being a comic nerd. And I mean, I know you guys are in the same boat. Like, I, because of Christmas, like, I was down trying to organize some things in my comic room. I mean, I've said this a million times. I have a hundred years worth of stuff to read. Like, no exaggeration. I mean, I, I, I could decide right now I'm never buying another comic again, and I will always have stuff to talk about on the show. Same. So, so yeah, so it's like, like, it's no disrespect. I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now, sitting next to me, I have a pile of stuff that has just come in my shipments in the last three months that I've and and it's all stuff that I view as stuff I want to read right now and it's it's weeks worth of stuff like I'm not going to read a lot of it before you know before the end of the year I'm not going to have the time it's it's not because I'm worried it's not going to be good or I shouldn't have bought it it's just that I have so much stuff to read I, I you know and it's a great problem to have it's a first world problem and very fortunate to be in that position but yeah man like sometimes shit falls through the cracks I'm very deliberate with what I bring to the show. Um, extremely. Yeah, you're you're by far the most deliberate. I mean, yeah, because I'll I'll scan what I've talked about in the past two months, and if a book falls on that, 
I probably won't bring it to the table. I, I like to sp- spread it out and mix it up and, and, and keep it diverse. And so uh, if I talk about com- – like there's, there's maybe – there are a few exceptions. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of them. Like I'll talk about that anytime, and I don't give a shit if it's if I if I'm repetitive. Like I don't care. It's just a very good book. So Dap and I'll talk about it because we love it. But um, you know, I mean, I'm not going to talk about Batman every week. Uh, it's just it gets boring after a while. Do I read Batman every week? Uh, no, not really. Right. So it, it it's part inspiration, part. Um, past performance. Like, you know, you won't hear me talk about Vampirella after this episode for at least a month or two. That's just the way it is. You got to keep it fresh. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and unless Dap has something to say, I got to get this covered. This, the second part. Bro, do it. It's, Are you on a deadline? You got a date tomorrow? No, but I mean, there's a lot of ground to cover because, as with his Listen, on it's Christmas week, we're giving him, we're giving the bonuses. Oh, okay, okay. As with the the ongoing Vampirella, Christopher Priest writes this tie-in series called Sacred Six, uh, which is illustrated by Jay Lee. <laughs> Very high on my list of illustrators, I find uh, irresistible, and uh, Gabriel Ibarra. With, uh, Wait a minute, co- Jay Lee draws the interiors? Yeah. Parts Why am I reading this? Fuck, yeah. really? Parts of it. Uh, he, oh, okay. he, no, he, he'll, do, but this Gabriel Ibarra cat is extremely good. Um, and will probably not be at Dynamite for very much longer. Um, and the uh, color art is by June Chang and, uh, Mohan. But it's, it's an ensemble book, which is the same thing as Vampirella is an ensemble book, but, um, where, Vampirella is front and center in her ongoing. She's a, a supporting character in Sacred Six. Uh, and the six in question are Vampirella, Draculina, Pantha, which is a Warren character uh, from way back in the day, Nyx, Chastity, the half vampire, and Vampirella's mom, Lilith. But Sacred Six is actually a tale of two cities. That's the elevator pitch. What is this book about? Well, it's about two cities. Ashthorn, uh, Georgia, which is, um, you know, city on the skids. Uh, it, it, it's a home to a population of peaceful vampires. They don't prey on, um, on humans. They find uh, alternate means to procure the, the, the thing that keeps them um, sustained. And on the flip side, you have a city named Sacred, which was designed as a counter to Ashthorn, with the express purpose of wiping out the vampires. So um, if you want to go uh, modern day, um, you know, you got your red and your blue. Uh, Drago, Vampirella's half-brother, is the mayor of Ashthorn. And so there's the tie into the ongoing, right? And he, he solicited help from both his, his mother, Lilith, and Vampirella because two human children um, go missing, which is unfortunate because the people of Sacred, uh, if this isn't solved quickly, the people of Sacred are going to use that uh, to, to give them the ammunition they need to take down Ashthorn once and for all, Right. And and the the population of of Ashthorn was generated by 
there's a there's a council of vampires um, called uh, the Lumea Umatoire, and the 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 lead, well, uh, the leader or or one of the the higher ups is is a, a woman named Cadriata of the Six, right? And these vampires have invested themselves in in all parts of of the world, politics. Uh, Hollywood, you know, sports. They're sort of an Illuminati with fangs, right? And and the, the, this cabal is pulling the strings. They they populated this this Ashthorn, and and it just so happens that a lot of the population of Ashthorn are um, um, disenfranchised, uh, you know, blacks. Um, Asian, like it, it gives priests an opportunity to 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 uh, comment on things that go beyond, you know, the realm of of vampires and horror and stuff, right? But there's again, there's a long running history to these characters, and and um, while Pan- Panther was used um, to uh, to good uh, effect by Harris and and by Dynamite. The priest is the one who really, really explores the, the the roots of the character. She was the the wife of of, of a pharaoh, Diogenes Hampset the second, and uh, the pharaoh was was very uh, he had wandering eyes, right? And and he he, he gave himself to another woman, Taryn, who was a peasant, and, and bore him a son, uh, and then the pharaoh died, and so. Samira was elevated to regent in in the the wake of her husband's passing, and she she's getting off on the power and the position. Right, she's a pharaoh, or at least the acting pharaoh. Um, she expanded the Egypt, Egyptian empire, but it was only a temporary position until the baby was old enough to assume the throne. Problem was, the baby was not hers. It was it was her late husband's and this this peasant girl Terence, um, and and she knew the truth. So uh, Samir is like, well, I got to get, I got to solve this shit, you know. So she petitions an Egyptian panther god for help. And the panther god gives her the ability to see through the eyes of cats, of felines, to find the kid, right? And it's a long story. It doesn't really end well. But um, Panther is, is, a, is a character who, you know, we're talking 1458, you know, BCE. This is a, an old character, right? Um Lilith wants to make peace with the Lumea Umatoire, and Drago's thoughts are on the subject are not the same. Nyx is pissed with Lilith for getting her involved in the plane crash from the Vampirella ongoing. See, you can't really read Sacred Six without reading, you know, they fill you in. Priests will fill you in on certain information, but you really need to read both of them. So it's like he's writing two series, but they're they're pretty much interconnected you need to read them both right draculina has a mad on for ella because of her involvement in benny's death you know because she wasn't emotionally invested in their relationship as as she was um lilith just seems to hate everyone you know son and daughter included but visually sacred six is is the far superior book to uh you know, the Vampirella trifecta. Because you have Jay Lee. Who's going to compete with freaking Jay Lee? 
he does the Egyptian segments with uh, Samira, and they're gorgeous, right? But then it goes into the modern day, and this um, uh, Gabriel Ibarra, man, this guy's great, like super moody artwork and the two styles work very well together uh visually it's one of the better books that Vamp- that uh, dynamite has ever published hmm. but but again it's jay lee like how am i gonna front J- jay lee's a master right there there's no uh, who who would say otherwise nobody that we know right so right. it's it's just, it's an absolute pleasure to witness jay lee's art and I think this book is, um, it, you know, as far as emotional involvement, it's not as challenging as Vampirella, at least not to me. It's, it it complements that narrative, but it, it, without the, that, that Vampirella ongoing, this book is just basically um, fleshing out incidents about which we never know. So um, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend Sacred Six, but in for a penny, in for a pound. If you read this, you're going to have to read Vampirella to get the, uh, the, the the total enjoyment package. And I see what Dynamite's doing here. And it, it becomes more apparent with the third thing I'm going to talk about, but that's from my In Your Travels. They are they're aware that they have a shared universe. That's cool. But what they're doing is they're linking books within the shared universe. So if you're a Vampirella fan, and you buy into Christopher Priest's ongoing, you're gonna read Sacred Six, because it's 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 it unveils events that are you know that hinge or they're 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 semi crucial to the events that goes on in the Vampirella ongoing. So then now they got you for two books, and they did it again in my third uh, title. So they 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 now they know. That okay, let's spread this mythology over the course of books, like not just do a, a Vampirella in this time period and the Vengeance one, which is the one I don't read, but it's it 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 harkens to the the Harris book that was published many years ago. So they're continuing that continuity. Like I really don't care. I didn't think that was a great book to begin with, but um, I bought it, right? But I don't need to to revisit those of that storyline. I don't really care. But Christopher Priest, hell yeah, I'll buy into that. So the they're they're stringing you along, but the quality is good. See if right. if they if they were crappy books, it wouldn't matter. No, you know you you would still be as discerning a buyer as you, you normally would. But when the quality is when you got Jay Lee on a book that plays into a like, come on, you're gonna buy it. It's just I think it's a smart business uh, proposal. Or, or methodology to just elevate the quality of the books and string it along over the course of two titles instead of one. Could Sacred Six have been factored into Vampirella, the ongoing? Of course it could have. Seamlessly. But right. they didn't but it's a different title. So now you gotta buy two books a month. And I'm not I'm not complaining because the quality is superb. So uh on to part three later. I can't wait. Um, I will. Let's see. Because I think the first issue is in the box coming this weekend, which Vince should also include Man of Steel hardcover volume one. Um, It's about time. I know. Uh, Glad I told you about it. So we have (laughs) the. um, Not bitter. The, um, The first. 
series, the uh, the final arc, the final four issues, nine through twelve, the final arc of the first series, Blade Runner twenty nineteen, uh, has concluded. It. This is one of those things. Where I'm not going to go long about it because it's it would just be more of the same. But it it's um it's we kind of end uh, pretty much where we began uh, with 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 Ash, who is is the Blade Runner. The first arc was the murder mystery where uh, she was hired by the business partner, the um, the the associate of um, of Alexander Selwyn. He uh, he was a business partner with um, with Tyrell from Telwyn Corporation from the first Blade Runner movie. Uh, he um, he his wife had kidnapped if you can call it that their daughter and ash was assigned the case to find her um and all of that so the first arc ended second arc dealt with um with dealing with all of that in the off world and the um the the final arc is the um brings that all back together so you know because you, you thought the first the end of episode four issue four they go off off world and um you know they're not going to look back and now ash ends up back on earth back in los angeles uh it's 2027 and she um she's she's, she's more or less she's back well the idea was to kind of go back to work but she um of course she had uh left the um the force because of the events from uh from the first arc so she was kind of pretty much just going to lay low and not um and not necessarily deal with her old life but she um she ends up getting dragged into um dragged into a mess her old uh parole captain who has had retired um she kind of gets involved it 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 was just i really really liked the uh the final arc and and, and for the entire series your um your writers were mike johnson and michael green art by uh andre guinaldo and um and it's it's been great and i'm i'm looking forward to uh 2029 which first issue is out um came out i think last week and i know that there is a prequel series blade runner origins which takes place after no 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 it's 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 the story of of the first blade runner but the um which would mean i guess it takes place before the movie uh but yeah, the, this arc, the the entire twelve issues is is pretty much um, one complete story. The the end of the the final arc puts puts everything to rest that that started from the first issue. I thought it was a really well done story overall. There was it, it, it's only twelve issues, so it's not like nothing really felt padded out or or that they just you know that they were looking to to fill a trade. It it it's it was formulaic in the sense that you know each chapter was four parts but um 
they did manage to pack a lot on those pages in, in, in each of those parts. So, um, I was really, it, it, it didn't let me down. Really. It didn't. I, I, you know, it's, it, it's weird. It, this might, um, be on the, uh, fill the slot and, and, uh, on the sci-fi section. This is now sci-fi and fantasy is separate, uh, on, on my old classics. Cause I, I have, I've, I've enjoyed every issue and, and it's, um, it was a, it was a bright spot in, in this year. I mean, I, I, I love the cons. I love the franchise. I am, I am a fan of, of Blade Runner. I you know. So it's, it's like Vincent Vamparelli. You're not really going to be able to do too much that I'm going to kind of poo poo. And it's, uh, it, the fact that this was, was well done. It looks, it's a little, because of the coloring, because of the art, it's a little brighter than uh than the movie well than the first movie um but it's still rainy as hell in uh in los angeles the 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 architecture the vehicles the way the way people uh carry themselves it definitely feels like the first movie um and i i was really i'm I'm glad i'm I'm happy to see that titan is going to continue it um i mean it would have been a fine to just end with these with this 12 issues if they weren't going to do a um a sequel series it wouldn't have been the uh the end of the world but i'm glad we are going to get more so yeah so so um i would definitely i, I mean i'm hoping because i think that they were doing the trades for the arcs i'm, I'm hoping they'll, they'll do a, a hardcover at least of the first 12 issues and and i don't know how far they're planning on going with this we'll see what kind of um Maybe an, an, an omnibus or something, but um, but no, this was this was a lot of fun. Definitely, Titan, Titan did right by me with this, so um, I can happily recommend Blade Runner twenty nineteen. Yeah, it certainly does look good. I didn't read any of it yet, but I, I like the way it looks. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking of you when I saw the prequel. I'm like, yeah, there's another one for that. Yeah, so just like yeah, there, there you go. So so you know you gotta like you were just saying with Vampirella and and, and Sacred City, you gotta buy one. You, you're planning on buying the other. That's yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Did he come back yet? I never left. Oh, look at that behind the scenes magic. <laughs> what are they talking, are talking about? about? Seriously, uh, that's sure. cray cray. I just must have had a little TIA there. So you Seriously. have you have anything to bring to the table, young uh, young Yank? Oh, yeah, because I've been silent this tonight. I'd say true, I guess true. Um, no, but I mean, well, let me let me let me get into um, let me get into uh, t- to this uh, ascender descender joint. Cool. Yes. Yeah. So, so I don't even remember the last time we talked about it on the show. Um, I think the book started in 2016. Believe it or not, uh, Jeff Jeff is the writer. And uh, Dustin Nguyen is the artist on both series. Um, you know, Dustin is an interesting cat. He is an acquired, not, no, I, that's wrong. I was going to say he's an acquired taste. I actually, I don't mean that. What I mean is he's distinctive. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a, he's a watercolorist. He uses very, I mean, I love him. I, I but I think like his style is, is a very, it is, it is unusual in the comics world, it is, uh, 
you know, he, sometimes he does very minimal backgrounds. He really focuses on, uh, and I think probably to his benefit, drawing your attention to the things he wants you to draw your attention to, if that makes sense in a panel. Um, so like hyper detailed at the point of what he wants you to look at and relatively minimal everywhere else to the point of maybe not even having backgrounds. Um, I can't say that it would work for me in every book. Um, but I do think this was a good marriage. I think it works in this book quite well. So, um, but I do, but I also think it's, it's distinctive enough that I wouldn't be like aghast or shocked if someone said, yeah, I couldn't get into it because of the art. Like it's, it is of a certain style and it's very, very uh, distinctive. So you, you have to be on board for Justin's, water watercolors which i am though so 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 the, the the art works for me i mean um i don't even know if we have to go uh actually it's 2015 that's how long ago this was um but like i said first descender was 32 issues it was a top seller at, at image for much of that time sci-fi book the premise is um not dissimilar honestly the book starts in a way that's not dissimilar to uh to battlestar galactica the reboot um where effectively there's a, a coalition of planets and they're in the middle of a bit of a political unrest, but still holding on. And they had at one point had quite a lot of, of robots that worked for them in uh, lots of capacities. And then, um, and, and then subsequent to that had, um, you know, they'd kind of like battled about what, what level of freedom to give the robots mistreatment, so forth, so on. And suddenly these gigantic skyscraper sized robots show up at all the key planets of the United Federation and, um, lay waste to good chunks of, of, uh, society, which then prompts society to bristle back and go anti-robot. And so then we're thrust into what is now the present, present day of the story uh and we're we're through all that about 10 years past and everybody's anti-robot um kind of they purged everything from the system there are bounty hunters now out there um that that uh called scrappers and and they're they're they basically go out and try and find robots that have escaped persecution and destroy them and that sort of thing and 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 the premise is that that we're we're suddenly introduced to this uh, this this base this space base that is uh, um, a, a young boy named Tim Twenty One wakes up from a stasis suspended animation after ten years and he comes to and it's kind of like Rick Grimes in Walking Dead he comes to and he doesn't know what the hell's going on because when he went to sleep he had a human older brother that he was brought in to be the companion for. He had a loving mom and things were good. When he comes to, he's got his robotic dog barking at him to wake him up and he's looking around and everybody's dead in the whole place. And not only dead, but like they're dead, 10 years dead. I mean, they're, they're basically emaciated skeletons and he has no idea what's going on. Well, turns out that Tim 21 was part of a certain group of companion robots that was developed that, um, not only were they uh, unique for their ability to have emotion, but as it turns out, subsequent to this last 10 years when they were doing this purge of all these robots, 
the United Federation realized that uh, the Tim series had a codex embedded in its brain that completely matched the codex of the Harvesters, which are these giant robots that laid waste 10 years before. So when he comes to, everybody gets alerted because it's like high alert. And so basically all these different groups with different interests set out to find and capture him, capture or find or what have you. Um, and then we just start to meet this this very interesting group of, of, of supporting castmates, some his allies, some not. And it becomes, over the 32 issues, a very intricate drama pitting the robots who very much do ex- still exist. A lot of them did escape and have created their own society. These robots have a grand plan. They're pitted against the United Federation of Planets and that group of, of people, uh, as well as sub-constituents like Tim's brother, his human brother, Andy, is now one of the galaxy's preeminent scrappers. There's other for hire mercenary like scrappers that are trying to catch Tim because he's worth a lot of money. And it's just this like sort of Game of Thrones intrigue on the sci fi setting where they're all trying to figure out why he's important. Is he important? Um, and then he gets protected in a way by a group of protagonists that initially are, are sent just to capture him but quickly become his allies, led by a woman named Telsa, uh, this blue-skinned woman who is the daughter of the president of the United Planets. Um, And Andy, who was his brother, who's now the scrapper, has a past where he was married to a girl named Effie. And it turns out that since that hell happened, Effie has become essentially a hybrid half-machine, half-woman, and she's kind of the leader of that group of outcasts because they're neither fish nor fowl. It's it's sort of a it's Jeff's commentary on multiracial uh, people, like what it would be like to be biracial in the country where you're not, where in the world where you're not really accepted in many cases by either side. Um, and all of this intrigue kind of happens, and it's part political, part action, part mystery, and 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 it culminates in this grand discovery that, and that's why I say it's like Battlestar Galactica. The, the scientist who was credited with bringing artificial intelligent robots to the to the reality is really a fraud. Um, his name is Dr. Kwan. It turns out that Dr. Kwan didn't really invent anything. He was introduced to this 4,000-year-old intelligent robot by his, his mentor uh, and ended up killing him and... Um, and, and essentially taking the intel from this robot body that he finds and then using that to create all of these robots that happened through 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 his presence. And, and Tim, the Tim is being kind of a piece de resistance. And now you begin to understand why Tim has like the same codex as the Harvesters. And we're eventually introduced to the whole history of, of, the, of the robotic side and, and what their goals are. And they get involved. And the cool thing in... I don't I don't want to spoil it, but the thing I thought was the most impressive about the 32 issue series is that it does not have in any way, shape or form a happy ending. It's effectively end of days. Like the premise is we have to stop these robots or convince them not to wipe us off humanity out of existence. And essentially they fail at it like the robots essentially wipe humanity out of existence. And that's how the series ends. And 
you may remember when the series came out, nobody knew exactly how long it would be. It went 32. It ends that way. People are kind of jawing the floor. Holy shit. And then suddenly Jeff comes out with Ascender. And whereas Descender was all about technology and artificial intelligence and where does the line get drawn between sentient life and machine life and it's fully on sci-fi vibe ascender literally takes place in the ashes of what happens at the end of descender and in this new paradigm on the same planets where but basically 95 percent of 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 humanity has been wiped out they're now many years later functioning as magic wielders and there's dragons and elves and gnomes and and wizards and staffs of power and it's like a complete mind fuck because it's the same settings it's the same planets it's people that are at least in some way connected to the people we followed in descender um perhaps generationally perhaps not depending and it's like a complete 180 in the setting and scene, even though it's actually just a continuation of the same story. And it's super, super bizarre and unique because I can't think of many instances where you had a comic that was wildly successful and then they kept it going, but in a completely different genre. Um, So it's a real triumph, man. Like it's, it's, it's incredible and it's very intense. It's definitely something that I think you would be you. This isn't something you can read an issue or two, go back a few months later, pick it back up. I think you almost need to start over and just dive in because there's a lot of intricacies to the interpersonal relationships and there's a lot of nuance, but if you're willing to put in the time and invest in it and, and there's two beautiful hardcovers that collect 16 issues each. Uh, and as I said, ascenders through issue 14. So I assume two issues from now, we'll get a hardcover of that as well. Uh, it's absolutely worth it. And, uh, you know, Jeff's amazing at what he does. And I love that he just completely flipped the script twice in this already, which is to say he gave you an ending that totally puts you on your ass because it's not how the way books like this usually end. And then just when you think like, holy shit, it's over. I didn't expect that. He brings it back. So it's a little bit like a MacGuffin. But it's not because, like, the world is a completely reborn world where now magic's real, but technology doesn't really exist. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's just a super creative uh, take on genre, and um, we're better for it. I mean, I, 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 I often wonder what, what I would think of the comics world without Jeff in it. Like, I think he's that good. I, I think that everything he does is so gratifying to me um and i just i i'm continually impressed with his ability to tell different stories that are both familiar and that you can see where he takes his um inspiration from but he makes it completely his own so that you don't feel like he's being derivative or ripping something off and uh that's a fine line to walk and he walks it with absolute deft perfection so Two huge thumbs up for Descender and Ascender, and it's been long enough now with Descender where you should just be on the lookout for a sale, or if you're at a, again, if we ever go to cons again, look for the books. But um, yeah, really, really impressive, and uh, 
And, and no, Dustin, he has such a delicate line. I mean, like his people look fragile, you know. And I yeah. think that in in a in comics, it's so rare. I mean, most time comics characters look invincible, almost by design. And in this, all the characters look like they're one punch away from being out of the out of the picture. And uh, I really do appreciate that because I think it's fitting for what this stuff is. So. Yeah, big, big, big fan of it, and like I said, I mean, I read forty-six issues of it in in one sitting this weekend, so that's how good it was. Complete blind spot. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Issues, but yeah, yeah I remember. It's... Yeah, I don't. I know Dap read a few issues. I don't remember you being into it at all. So, I think we read the first, uh, at least the first, maybe the first couple. But yeah, I, I... are you not a Dustin fan? Oh no no no! That's n- nothing to do with that. I just, yeah, just haven't read it. It's weird, right? Yeah, well, it's it's what's weird is how how time flies because, I mean, it started in two thousand fifteen, and it was like one of the few big books Image had at the same time that um, that Scotty's I Hate Fairyland was happening, and and of course, I mean, of course, Saga was the big book. Um, Make no mistake about that. But, you know, they both ended those books relatively quickly and kind of went out on top. Now, Scotty went on to do other things entirely, and then Jeff brought back a a sender. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I honestly have no idea, like, how it sells. I don't don't pay attention to that anymore. But I don't feel like there's a ton of buzz for it. Like, there was buzz for Descender. I don't feel like I see many people talking about Ascender. And uh, I don't know why. I could just I could be wrong about that. I could just maybe not be hearing the right echo chambers. But but uh, yeah, it's it's in a way. You guys know I love a good getting the band back together story. And like through fourteen issues of Ascender, it's kind of like that. It's it's getting the band back together. Some are not around anymore. Some are, and then there's some generational jumps where kids of some of these characters are involved now and I'm all I'm here for all that like I'm here for that that mo- it's it's the same kind of thing that makes Star Wars awesome like it's it's the same kind of vibe so so I'm here for it there you go sweet 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 all right <laughs> hey everybody we hope you have enjoyed this little brouhaha and we will come back from the next one uh Please solicit our sponsor. And who's that? Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door. Now, what kind of books are we talking about? Well, Stray Dogs, number one, Tony Fleece, Trish Forstner, $1.99. That's from Image. DC's Cooking Up the Dark Knight's Death Metal, Deluxe Edition, hardcover for $14.99. And Dark Horse Fear Case, number one, Matt Kint, Tyler Jenkins. $1.99. In your travels, the last of the Vampirilla trio. This is called The Dark Powers Number 1. It's written by Dan Abnett. We, we know Dan Abnett for a long time. Um, illustrated by Paul Davison with color art by Andrew Dollhouse. Now, I say Dynamite's very tricky because... While this series is a standalone title, it is also complemented by another series, 
also written by Dan Abnett, called Red Sonia, the Superpowers. What Dynamite's doing is they're taking their female leads, traditionally solo, and they're inserting them into team situations, and the teams are superpowered. So, hey, you like Vampirella in this book? Well, the majority of the, the comic buying population loves superheroes, so we're just going to integrate Vampirella into a superhero team. And the same with Red Sonia. So what's the deal here? Well, there's a terrorist organization called the Anti-Clan. And uh, typical agenda, world subjugation. Um, but the Anti-Clan uses evolving biotechnology that upgrades fallen agents. So guy gets shot in the head. The uh, wetware takes effect and the the um, agent gets returned to the field, but they learn and adapt in light of their mistakes. They're like uh, tougher, stronger, more cunning. It, it's like a syndicate of taskmasters. Mm-hmm. You, if you fight them and they lose, they will come back uh, having learned from what their errors, right? Uh, so Vampirella is now integrated into this, this superhero team, and it's called Team Red, um, which is a the, – the team is pan-dimensional. Um, all of the members are from different Earths, different dimensions Earths, and um, they, they call themselves science heroes. So you have um, the Fighting Yank. They're all public domain. Wouldn't you know it? You have uh, the Fighting Yank, the Black Terror, uh, Rocket Girl. The liberator and the leader is the woman in red. Um, so it's Vampirella's first day in the field with these people. Um, and her approach is a bit uh, extreme, right? She goes off on her own during a mission and she just butchers these anti-clan agents. Like it goes on for page after page after page of Vampirella just ripping the shit out of these guys. Um the, there was one survivor that hurt his back and he keeps saying, oh, my spine. And she's like, oh, well, and just blows his head away, right? So, I mean, she has a very um, scorched earth approach to, to, to fighting, to super heroics, right? But it turns out it was a huge mistake because if you have um, uh, an opponent uh, that that learns – from its mistakes. So the, 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 you have dead agents all around. The wetware kicks in and all these agents return to the land of the living and they join bodies into this, this giant, savage, squirming mass of teeth and, and claws and, and they have adopted Vampirella's brutal attacks. So, um, where Anti-Clan initially was seeking to destabilize the government, uh, they were attacking the Federal Reserve uh, building, you know, like it was very much a traditional, um, you know, fuck the man, let's let's tear down the institutions that perpetuate this, this, uh, you know, injustice. So they see as they saw it. So now the goal is pure destruction and death. 
this thing is it has seen what Vampirella has done. And it's like, okay, I guess this is the way we approach the situation now. And it's just ripping the hell out of everybody, knocking buildings down, destroying people. So Vampirella's like, uh-oh, I, I guess I, I fucked up. <laughs> I, I need to fix this. And she goes off on her own, alone wolf style, as she does, to to destroy this AI and and take down this creature and then ultimately resign from the team uh, because, you know, the group situation is apparently not for her. I thought it was great. It's it's a cool take on Vampirella because, um, yes, she has operated solo for many, many, many years, uh, fictionally, right? Um, and the team is not kind to her. They're either afraid of her, they fear her, or they underestimate her, or in Bob's case, uh, the Black Terror, he's like, this bitch is a freak. She's, she's just a stone-cold freak. Like, we can't, we can't use her and and when you have the black terror telling you your your methods are a bit extreme you know there's a problem because because bob is bob is 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 brutal at times uh no i thought it was wonderful and you know what's going to happen vampirel is going to bring down the ai but she's going to realize she needs the team's help to do it and she's like oh i guess this team thing isn't so bad and then she's going to stick with the team and the the title will perpetuate right um but i think it's so smart to, to use Vampirella in this um, situation, in this setting, because she is a superhero of a sorts, right? She has powers far beyond those of mortal women uh, and men. And to, to uh, jam her into a group of similarly powered, in terms of strength, right, uh, beings and have the, the conflict that goes on when you got someone that doesn't, you know, walk the same walk and talk as you, I thought it was great. Uh, the art's wonderful. Uh, I, this is one that if you are not a Vampirella fan in any um, in any way, something here will will make sense to you and will click. And who doesn't love superheroes, right? Who doesn't love the Black Terror? I don't know anybody, <laughs> right? Silliness. So again, it's the they're, universally they're, loved. Right? They're perpetuating the Project Superpowers thing, and kudos for doing it. Those characters are great. There's a reason why those characters have been around for so freaking long because they're great characters. So, uh, uh, Vampirella, the Dark Powers, number one. Dan Abnett, Paul Davison, Andrew Dalhouse, uh, and then stick around for Red Sonia, the Superpowers, because it's probably going to be more of the same. And mark my words. The two titles will probably cross over at some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, don't who, tease. Who didn't see that coming? Um, Shit, man. I've been like, yo, I need more Black Terror in my life, son. Well, yeah. But uh, the Vampirella Red Sonia's uh, ongoing is also awesome. Dynamite's doing good things. There's comics, man. Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, most of them are worthwhile. Apparently, yeah. I'm done. You done? I am done. There you go. Done did it. Vampirella Orama. Uh, in your travels, uh, this Friday you'll get to see Soul and Wonder Woman eighty four uh, on the available streaming services. Did not wait. Yes, uh, it's gonna be a crazy day Friday. Um, in your travels. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail on this. I was just really, really enjoying the art more than anything else. Um, and 
Brian will probably tell us. I only talked about the first issue and we won't talk about the next five, but <laughs> this is Dick. Postal Americana number one by oh, yeah, our, our, uh, our pal Steve Scrosi and colors by Dave Stewart. Um, this isn't anything like the previous book. It is a, um, a post apocalyptic story uh set sometime in the future where there is a um kind of a an underground bunker in a mountaintop where the the one percent and those that um those that provide for those one percent they all get to live and and be safe and secure uh but beyond outside of that mountain there are um cannibals and um radiated alien people that just don't know how to fend for themselves it's it's they're in rough shape um two people escape from the mountain and there's just this whole the, the first issue is a lot of just wham bam and and it's it after the escape Actually, I mean, even after the first couple pages is is when the action ramps up, and then it doesn't it does not let up. It, it's um, we're introduced to characters that are just insane, insane looking, um, but you get a feel for everybody by the end of the first issue, at least those that are still around. Um, but Steve's art is just fantastic. There is um, it's it's. Characters are flawed. Nobody is uh, nobody is a paragon of virtue. Um, but there is is definitely more to come. We need to see um, how these plans will come to fruition. I, I um, it's it's just it's crazy. The art is absolutely fantastic. But um, I I got to see what happens with these characters. And at the end of the first issue is really um it's it's just it's nuts um yeah i i post americana number one uh get it if you haven't it 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 looks great it's an insane story uh at least judging by the first issue and i cannot wait to see where we're going from here nice um in your travels couple things once again you got to hook some brothers up with your 11 o'clockers votes. Uh, we'll probably lock voting down in like the second week of January. So you've got roughly two and a half weeks, let's say, to get your votes in. 11 o'clockcomics.com, top left tab, or 11 o'clockcomics.com slash 11 o'clockers. Pick your poison. Also, um, we're getting very close to the end of the EOC logo contest. Yes. Um, we've given you all the details, but uh, SB 300 DPI square logo, right, Vince? Yes. Vince? Yes. Yep. Yep. Square. Got to be a square. Got to be square. Um, we've That's got a it. bunch of awesome submissions already. A few people have hit me up and said, I'm going to submit two. And I have said, awesome, but you got to do it. Like, we're not going to, like, hold it for you. So if you are going to submit, 
you need to make sure you do it ASAP. Um, and then my unit travels, I'm going to keep it real simple. I'm not going to talk about the book at all because my booze haven't read it yet. But y'all, y'all, everyone listening would be doing themselves a massive disservice if they didn't join us in reading Reckless, the latest graphic novel by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Um, I get my shipments weekly, unlike my booze, so I already read it, and it's fucking incredible. Hmm. And uh, next next episode, which will be the last of the year, is our book of the month. So we'll be talking about Batwoman Elegy. Um, Hydrology. But- I mean, hydrology, rather. Sorry. And, um, but I sincerely hope that, that Dapp and Vince get reckless this weekend as they're supposed to and get a chance to read it over the Christmas break because I can't fathom not talking about this book in a timely fashion as I think it will play prominently in the aforementioned 11 O'Clockers votes far and wide. So uh, it was awesome. It lived up to the hype. And y'all need to read it. So it's going to have to to eclipse Bad Weekend. I would rank Bad Weekend as third this year, two being Pulp, one being Reckless. Well, wasn't the collection uh, the collected edition of Bad Weekend twenty twenty? But the issues actually came out in twenty nineteen. Correct. Yes. So, well, that narrows it down to two then, right? <laughs> Pulp and sure. yeah, right. No, I mean, I, yeah, mm-hmm. pulp and reckless. What I think would be the things that are fair game this year for for them. Sweet. I, I at this point, I think we should just change the name from the Eleven O'Clockers to the Eleven O'Clockers Brewbaker Phillips. Well, hour. I think that's a little stretching it. I know, I but mean, I'm just saying they they. But I do think every you know there was the year that it was like South Snyder won everything. There was the year that Tom won everything. There was the year that Jeff won everything. I mean, again, everyone's going to vote. It will be what it will be. It will do what it be doing. But I think this is maybe the year that Ed and, and Sean take home a lot, of, a lot of iron. So you're just catching up to David and myself. That's I mean, what, that's no. What it is. For, first of all, I've always been a Brubaker <laughs> Phillips fan. Second dude, of all, dude, relax. Of, <laughs> relax. Well, wait, wait. Second of all, I love how you, like if we're going to throw accolades, you get the accolades because you voted for them imp- many times during the Oscars. Neither Dap nor I have voted for them very often. Well, I think Dap did a couple times. Nope. Oh, because yeah, you know that stuff because you take account mm-hmm. of yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Huh? It's weird. It's no, you're on record as the biggest fan, just like you had to make sure you got on record as professing being the biggest fan of our guest last time. You didn't read any Valiant, hardly any. Like I could throw, you'd be like, "What's this? Is this new?" No, I read dude, it came out. Oh my god! <laughs> Thanks to you, you got me into it. Yeah, but you read. You read it. Then, just didn't talk about it a lot. Yeah, that's what that's it true. was. Okay, all right. Well, because I know you have this rule now where you like to talk about stuff and then not revisit it for a month or two. But during the Valiant days, you didn't follow that rule very often. <laughs> you read about Valiant a lot. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Sorry, I got to go with my heart. Hey man, you do you. And speaking of of my heart, somebody somebody reached across the ocean and and massaged my heart. A word? Yeah, and made me. Uh, it, it it alleviated a lot of the the pain that comes with the holiday season. We all have. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but I mean, yes, holidays are bittersweet if you've ever lost anyone. Um, but 
um, Tim Meekins. He's so good. He sent He's such me, a nice dude. He sent me the man thing that uh, the, oh, the, nice. the original art. Uh, okay, behind the scenes, here's the sausage. Uh, the Slack, we have creative people that are uh, uh, on the Slack, and they, they tend to, to post uh, progress pics of the things they're working on, and Tim is one of them. And he, uh, it, was, it was a long-running inside joke about my man thing and how, you know, veiny it is, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you get it, right? But the joy was to see Tim actually, um, the investing of the energy into the piece and, and the way it was uh, uh, forming. We got to see all that. We got to see the, the various steps of, of the creative process every day, it seemed, right? Um, and then the bastard sent it to me. And, nice. Uh, yeah, and and God, I love him for doing that. You should. I would never have parted with an illustration like this, but hey, that's <laughs> that's just me, you know. Um, nice. I, I'm glad that he did. So, um, Tim, oh, thank you. I, I I really appreciate it. And if you would like to see um, Tim's work, go to Instagram, and it's Tim underscore M E A K I N S. That's Tim underscore M E A K I N S. Yeah. Nice. And while we're at it, uh, th- first of all, thank yous to a litany of people who were kind enough to send Christmas cards. Um, we did not send Christmas cards this year for the first time in probably like 15 years because, uh, you know, the wifey had lots of stuff going on. It just didn't happen, but yeah. we very much appreciate the ones we did get from a lot of y'all. Um, Same. Double true thanks to Gordo, who sent me a nice package. Very sweet nice. of him. And then, last but certainly not least, humongous thanks to Anthony Gonzalez and his wife. Yes. Um, uh, I, I don't even know if like he would want me to get into every what he sent me, but it was incredible. It was one of those things where my son, my 17-year-old, was in the kitchen when I was opening the box, and he's just like, what the fuck are people thinking sending you stuff like this? He's like, why, why do people send you stuff like this? He's like, is your show really that good? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, no, it's not. I was like, these are just really kind people that we're incredibly fortunate to have in our lives. So, um, yeah, so, so, so Merry Christmas to everybody, uh, in, 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 in this ecosystem and, in, in, in sphere of influence that we have created. Co-signed. Yeah. I, um, I received a, a lovely, lovely gift from, uh, Cheng Zales and, uh, it was, um, You'll probably be hearing more about it over the over the course of the year, but um, I yeah, I definitely have to thank them immensely and 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 thank you to everybody who who did send cards. Yeah, my text to him was like, "Dude, I'm supposed to be sending you things, not the other way around." Yeah, right. Like, truth. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's at all fair. I'll tell you about the. I'll, I'll tell you the note that was included in the in the card. Nice. All right, well, we love you all, and we'll see you one last time, Book of the Month, for our last show of 2020. Hold yeah. up. Hold up, young man. You don't get to do what? that. That's my job. What? <laughs> so, hey, thank you for being here with us. <laughs> Come back wow, next time. About no, I'm just saying. Taking your claim. No, I'm just, just saying. Uh, Come back next time, where we'll be doing the Book of the Month, as Jason said schrodinger's cat um and in the meantime see it's the segue we got to do this say good night are those are those sleigh bells that i hear sleigh bells ring are you listening
I I know him, David. Good night. I made it nice and short, so you don't have to, you know, no heavy lifting for you this time around. Aww. Uh, David. I'll be generous for the, you know, because it's Christmas and thing. Because it's Christmas? Yeah, I, I, th- I think you're in the white on that one. You're a fucking mensch. I think, huh. you're, I think you're in the white. That's it for that one. <laughs>